Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This, this is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. A very good morning, everybody, and a warm welcome to RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels for further coverage of this year's Spa 12 Hours, all part of the Creventic promoted 24H series, a full season of racing which started at Dubai back in January, and we're now uh, in full flow as far as the European Championship is concerned. Mugello was just three weekends ago at the end of uh, March around that beautiful track. Uh, not far away from Scarperia in Tuscany and now we move on to Spa-Francorchamps um, needs no introduction really this place seven kilometers of completely challenging asphalt through the Ardennes forest a fascinating first portion of the race yesterday but we're merely at a one-third distance the positions are retained overnight and that's how we form our grid this morning we're in audio only at the moment on RS1 but uh, in the next Three and a bit minutes we will be in audio and visual combined and delighted to say that it's the usual team from the Radio Show Limited Network and Channels bringing you coverage of the Spa 12 Hours. Hancock, 12 hours of spa on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. So obviously quite a bit to fill you in with if you missed any of our coverage yesterday. We uh, kicked the day off on Friday with some free practice and then there were two 30-minute qualifying sessions, first of all for the TCE series cars and then for the GT series cars uh, and that formed effectively two separate grids that were waved off uh, with about 20 seconds apart. Two formation laps which were included in the race distance so as soon as the cars were waved off from the dummy grid the clock started to count down and we were a few minutes short in the end that was always planned because there is a strict curfew to strict two here at spa francorchamps of 6 p.m so once we got to 5:53 local time the next possible time that the checkered flag could be shown it was waved and we ended up with two of the asics pro cars on the lead lap uh, also a very good fight promised for the rest of today in A6AM with four of those cars set to start on the lead lap this morning but um, it's definitely not a qualifying race uh, yesterday's portion all part of the 12 hours but what it does serve to do is uh, position the relevant machinery on the on the grid in the order that they finished yesterday and uh, cars like the GRT Grasser Racing Team Lamborghini Huracan therefore gain back something like two and a half minutes. Admittedly, the final lap for Merco Bortolotti was rather slow in the 63 lap of the Huracan. Crucially, he was already on to his 81st lap by the time the number 11 Ferrari crossed the line to see the chequered flag, so that meant that uh, everything was locked in to mean that the Ferrari and the Lamborghini will start side by side on the front row when we get going in the next few minutes. About 90 seconds away from our live video stream commencing, so that will give me a little time to say good morning to Paul Truswell. I know that uh, your uh, your box has been 
playing on through the course of uh, the weekend so far. So fingers crossed it's going to work for us. It's always good to have a little test a minute before you go live, isn't it? Isn't it, just? Um, so that, that, that seems to work. Good. Uh, unfortunately, my laptop, which was uh, left deliberately left on overnight, uh, also decided to reboot itself. So whereas everything was laid out just as I wanted it for this morning, uh, initially uh, it was all right, and then it suddenly decided to reboot itself. So a little bit of um, setting up from scratch, um, but I think we're just about there now. Um, and I tell you what, Johnny, if we've got twice as long racing today as we had yesterday, uh, and if it's half as good as it we had yesterday, then it will still be pretty exciting. Uh, there were lots of twists and turns that happened yesterday. As you said, far too much to go into at the moment. But the, it, the way that the Code 60s played out, the way the teams responded to them slightly differently, uh, it was a very interesting strategically. Um, but also, it was exciting on the track because there was so much going on, uh, cars overtaking each other on the track as well, which made it good. So, uh, looking forward to this one immensely. Yes, uh, it really did provide uh, the unpredictable nature that we had for, for, for the last two hours, really, because cars were on very different um, ways of approaching the race. Um, either they were forced into that because of punctures or uh, it was uh, a bit of a gamble on strategy. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more of this, uh, that way of looking at the race for the first portion of today, at least, as well. So uh, moments away from our live feed uh, on the video stream becoming active and looking forward to the second race of the year for the European Championship after Dubai kicked us off for the Championship of the Continents. Mugello was just a handful of weekends ago and now Spa is the latest. It's Bruno next, by the way, and there are five fabulous racetracks to visit through the course of the European season. We're also going to Cota as the final flyaway event much later on in the year for a 24-hour race there, but a split 24-hour uh, there are 24-hour races to look forward to at Portimao and Barcelona. The Arden Forest is a wonderful setting to go motor racing and the 12 hours of Spa uh, back again at this fabulous Grand Prix venue. Um, and actually, far less than 12 months that we had to wait for it because it was one of the later races in 2018 and we're already back in April for the following season. Another two-day event, 12 hours split across two days and an awful lot of racing to go today. In fact, to be exact, seven hours and 48 minutes to be completed. The grid is set today after yesterday's event, but a reminder that we've already been to some great venues at Dubai at the start of the year. The 11th and the 12th of January was the 24 hours there. And then uh, a little pause in proceedings before our European season got underway with the 12 hours of Mugello at the end of March. We're here in Belgium this weekend. Visits to the Czech Republic, to Portugal and to Spain to come later in the year. And then finally in November, our second big flyaway event, which takes us across the pond to uh, Austin, Texas, and the Circuit of the Americas for the 24-hour race there for the 15th, 16th and 17th of November. We will detail the grid in full in a moment or two. Remember, it's two separate grids, two separate races for the GT Series and the TCE Series. So many different stories coming out of each of those grids uh, and... Not all of them happy, I'm afraid to say, because we are without a number of crews uh, starting on Saturday morning. Many have packed up and gone back to their headquarters, wherever that may be around Europe, just at not their weekend. And we will obviously detail those cars uh, in full 
throughout the course of our coverage. There were some great stories, though, as well. And Joe Bley, I know, is down on the grid awaiting cars that are only just being released now onto the asphalt here at Spa. Spa. Um, it's not going to be a lengthy pause, I understand, Paul Truswell, and good morning to you, uh, because the cars are released, is it part way around the lap, so they don't have to do the full seven kilometres? Uh, well, yes, they, they they come out of the pit lane at the bottom of Eau Rouge at what is the traditional endurance pit lane exit. Uh, they then will go around, do a lap. They'll then sit on the grid and then we'll have, as you say, the race starting at 10.05 yes. with two formation laps, uh, which um, is just the way of things. It means that, in effect, you have around about uh, 12 minutes of race of, of race of the race elapsed time elapsing without any racing actually taking place yes. because the green lights are only put on on the start line gantry at the end of those two formation laps. But, I mean, this is the one of the things that I find hard to get my head around is these cars have just been under a dust sheet for the last 12 hours. They've been sitting uh, in uh, a Park Ferme area on the inside of the La Source hairpin. Um, and basically all they do is they wipe the windscreen, they wipe the wing mirrors, um, and go. Take the dust cover off, <laughs> fire yes. them up, and round they go. And, um, and fingers crossed, nothing's happened to them overnight with lots of with lots of heat soak. More on that thought in just a moment, Paul Trusswell. My name's Johnny Palmer. You're tuned to RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. We are in sound and vision now, and that means that we can not only hear Joe Bradley, but we can also see his face on the grid. Good morning, Joe. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to this beautiful, majestic Spa-Francorchamps circuit. We've got the final segment of the 2019 12 Hours of Spa, another eight hours of racing, and that means we are waiting for our cars. We have got an empty grid at the moment. I've got to tell you, the heat down here is already beginning to build. We're going to see highs of 23 degrees. That's slightly hotter than it was yesterday, and yesterday we saw the problem of punctures pretty much across the whole of the field. Now, the cause of those punctures, discussing it with the tyre engineers, were a, a virtue of multiple factors. Uh, aggressive camber, tyre pressures, different track temp, and uh, sharp curbing, using the curbs going off track, which here at Spa, the off track just kind of, you've got to use the off track to keep the momentum going to get that lap time. I'm waiting down here for cars, guys. We've pretty much got the GT field formed, but I'm particularly interested in the front of the TCE field. So if you want to come back to me in a couple of minutes when we have our TCE field formed and we'll get a chat and uh, we'll be able to talk about the fairy tale story of the two cars that are currently at the front of our TCE field. We'll come back to you. And thank you, Joe. One of the Ferraris just creeping through your shot there, which was the number 41 Ferrari. But you mentioned lots of things happening in TCE series. Well, loads of stuff happened in both grids. And if you weren't around yesterday, a chance now to describe that to you. Uh, as uh, it was a beautiful day here at Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps, um, almost surprising for uh, an April visit, but glorious sunshine, as it is again today. And the Ferrari from Bohemia Energy with Scuderia Praha started from pole position underneath the orange banner for the GT Series, the blue banner a little further back for the TCE Series pole man. And it was side-by-side side up towards La Source. The HTP Motorsport Windward Racing Mercedes tried to... Um, see whether he could run around the outside at La Source, but had to tuck into line into second position, violently hitting the kerbs there on the first lap, Matteo Maliacelli. And then it was the turn of the TCE series cars to get underway with the 101 Red Camels, Jordan Stott NL uh, Cupra, 
driven by Rick Broekers for the first stint, charging his way down towards La Source and actually getting away very nicely ahead of a couple of Audis from the TCR class and the Aston Martin, which is an SP3 car this weekend. The first real moment of drama was smoke pouring off the front left corner of Colin White's Ginetta G55, setting light to the car just behind that front wheel arch, and the whole of the left side of the 378 car was a raging inferno briefly. He managed to spot a couple of marshals who'd worked their way across the gravel trap, and they sprayed fire extinguishment vaguely in the direction of Colin, and then I think they wanted to make sure he was OK in the cabin, but he wasn't going to open the door. The priority for the man from Glastonbury was to get the car back to the pits as quickly as possible and try and get it back in the race. And that car is going to take the restart this morning. So amazingly tough, that Ginetta G55. Battling continued with the MRS GT racing car of Peter Turting. That car was to suffer a puncture and something else clearly didn't please Turting at the bus stop chicane. The 34... Uh, Audi driven by Dr Johannes Kirchhoff had a spin at Fanyet Corner after what we think was contact from the Edex Sport Mercedes number 17 and all over the grass and the kerb taking out one of the bollards was a Porsche from the 991 class that was also suffering from a puncture the bollard needed to be retrieved from the stones tremendous run from the 188 AC Motorsport Audi though that uh, working its way across the start finish line and into La Source Corner Ferrari, number 11, well, that did actually drop as far down as 11th position on the lap chart because of an early puncture that obviously had to be changed. That put the uh, number 11 car on a very different strategy. We've seen all three drivers behind the wheel of that 488, so Maliuchelli, who I've already mentioned, Yuri Pisaric and Josef Kral. And that car then, leader overnight by two and a half minutes. So, the scene getting busier and busier on the grid right in front of our commentary box. And Joe Bradley is there to bring us some major stories from yesterday. I love fairy tale stories, uh, but we've got a motorsport fairy tale story for you right here at the front of the TCE grid to restart for the second segment. The leader of the TCE class, uh, the TCE race, in fact, is the 188 Audi. Now, on Thursday afternoon, Stefan Perrin here is uh, one of the drivers in the 188 Audi. Stefan, on Thursday afternoon, you were looking for a flight home. You were all ready to drive home. The car had been crashed, the car had had an accident, and the team would. We're trying to think about where we're going to get spare parts. Who would have thought that right now you would have been leading this race? Yeah, the, the team uh, do a very fantastic job. Uh, fortunately, uh, we are in, uh, in, at home and uh, we have a lot of fun and, uh, and friends to help us. And uh, it's a very, very uh, big thanks to, uh, to everybody and Mechanical for his uh, fantastic job. Uh, yesterday, the, the, the goal is uh, to, to take part of the qualifying, and, uh, and the car is uh, perfect immediately. And, uh, and uh, now we are the le leading uh, the race, and uh, now the, the most important is to, uh, to finish and to push uh, to, to the check flag for, uh, for a win uh, this, uh, this race for, uh, for Mechanical and everybody for, for fun. And, uh, and uh, everybody um, help us on uh, social media and uh, thanks, uh, big thanks uh, to everybody. And your teammates, James Kerr, Vincent Rademacher, you, you've got a very strong team. It must put a bit of pressure on the whole team when you are so doing so well at this stage. 
Yeah, uh, we have a good uh, good team, teammate. Everybody uh, do uh, his job, and uh, now we uh, we have uh, used uh, the endurance uh, racing, and uh, we know that uh, we we might to uh, improve in uh, in uh, pit stop because uh, we we lost uh, some time, a little bit uh, time uh, against uh, our um, adversary. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. Cross finger and uh, see you at the finish flag uh, with uh, victory. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, we do too. Hopefully, good good luck to the uh, AC Motorsport. Now another fairy tale is the Autorama with Wolf Sport car. This is the Volkswagen GTI TCR. It was more auto drama for these guys. They lost an engine and they had to do an engine rebuild right before, in fact, they missed qualifying completely and then took the start of the race yesterday right at the back of the grid. Now, Stefan Tanner, I know, is part of the, uh, the team and Stefan talked to us. Where, where is our driver? Who, who is your driver, Stefan? No, the driver is uh, the driver, Jan. Jan, Jan, Jan Sorensen. Hello, Hello Jan. Hello. Um, how good is this new engine? It must be very good because you guys were at the very back and now you're at the very front challenging the leader. Yeah, that's much, much more funny to be in the front. Um, I don't think it's only the engine. I think it's also part of strategy and our, our team being consistent. I think it's more the, more the game. It was very worrying when the engine went and the team had to put a new engine in. You completely missed qualifying. Yeah. It's got to be said, how important is qualifying? Because you've proved it to be not that important. Not this time, but you get a certain nervous when the, when the engine is going off in the morning. So. Uh, and we're not used to, um, as you say, you can fix those things so fast. So that was uh, nice to, to join. And we have more energy to, to push the race. So it's, um, it's funny. Great team effort. Great team effort, Jan. And uh, we wish you all the very best. Now then, another team. Follow me, Seb. Just further up the grid, a team that we would have met on our TCE grid was a team that have been campaigning uh, the Cupra, the Seat and a Cupra. It's the form of the modern Moderna Motorsport team. Now, it's their first race outside of TCE. They've moved forward, quite literally, into the 991 class with a Porsche. And I want to try and talk to somebody from Moderna. Who have we got here? We've got ben, ben, Benny Simonson. Ben, Benny. We've moved forward yeah. to the GT grid. Yeah. How are the team finding running this Porsche 991 Cup car in comparison to a TCR? Yeah, good. Um, it's, uh, I mean, they run, they run the Cup car for nearly 10 years in Asia. So, um, no, very experienced on the car already. Is there much difference? I mean, a racing car is a racing car. It doesn't matter what you pull off the truck. Is there much difference in how you go about your race with a TCR in the TCR in the TCE race to a Porsche GT car is there much difference or is it just pretty much the same principles concepts? I mean, it's it's driving style is a bit different because it's front wheel versus rear wheel drive, of course. But uh, of the, the strategy of endurance is the same. You know, it's bring the car home, but also um, need to be quick out there. I would imagine, Benny, knowing you as I do, you uh, really thrive on the competition, and the 991 class is arguably the most competitive class in this whole series. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure all the, the classes are pretty competitive, but uh, yeah, for sure there's some, uh, some fast guys in, in, in all classes as well. Um, you never know before every driver's been through the cars and everything, so, uh, but uh, yeah, looks good. Yeah, we're not going to say too much. We don't want to hex it. Thanks, Benny. Um, I'm not sure. How are we doing for time, guys? Have I got time to get to the front of the GT grid? Johnny? I would give it a spin. Right, until until cool. somebody very official we'll starts see, to yeah. guide you towards well, a pit we, we, wall. We, then. Seem, 
And, and also, you could say, you could say, like clearing the grid. You could say, don't you know who I am? That never works. No, I don't want to be the last one left here when the cars are piling away. So we'll try and get to the front of the GT grid. It's uh, it's quite a weird. It's uh, you don't realise, but the, uh, the the star finish straight here at Spa is quite an incline. It's going uphill all the way from the final turns, the bus stop chicane. Seb, which is, uh, Seb is leaving you behind, Joe. I can see from Seb here you're behind. Seb is striding away, and uh, yes, because uh, his legs are about two <laughs> foot longer than mine. By the time you get to uh, La Source, I think Seb's going to be at least a minute ahead of you. No, he's not quite. Okay, he's got a two second gain. Let's anyway, speak to Matteo. Now, a very, a very meditative Matteo Maliacelli on the rear wing of the Scuderia Praha Ferrari. Matteo, you had a very uh, interesting race yesterday. You had that puncture that dropped you down the field. How did you guys manage to get right back into the front? Ah, the car is strong uh, and it's, it's also good. Uh, there is a, a point with the rear uh, right tyre. So we, we are trying to drive less aggressive than, than the beginning and, and for the moment the car is working. There was, there was talk of using the kerbs causing punctures all the way down the field. Is, is, is Spa the sort of place where you have to use the kerb to, be, to keep that speed? To keep that speed? I really don't know. The kerbs are not so high and that's strange because normally normally never happens. Yeah. So the plan for this afternoon, for today, is to just do what you did yesterday and everything should work? Yeah, for the moment we just keep the pace and the eight hours are long, so maybe we will push more at, at last two hours. Yeah. Thank you, Matteo. Best of luck to the Scuderia team. Now the Grasa Lamborghini team have dropped into Spa um, as a kind of a, a bit of a detour from their uh, Blancpain campaign. A car behind them on the that's the 63 Lamborghini. A car behind them on the that's the 63 Lamborghini that will start second. Behind them, starting in fourth place, Windward Racing team with HTP. Let's have a word with uh, one of their drivers. Philip Ellis is the guy that started the car. Philip, are you restarting the car, Philip? Yes, I will. Um, hopefully. Nobody yeah, will. That was the plan this morning. Yeah, yeah I can't see anybody. Yeah, that was the plan this morning. Yeah, exactly. It was a plan uh, from from the beginning, basically, that we have uh, the Amman drivers. Ready. It looks like it's you. Yeah, exactly. It was a plan uh, from from the beginning, basically, that we have uh, the Amman drivers cars. So, uh, you know, I'll start the car and uh, we'll see how it goes. How are you starting? Or I should say, how did you finish yesterday? How much fuel have you got on board? How good are the tyres? I'm sure they've told you. Well, I know, but I'm not going to tell you. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, okay. uh, not not too much. I'm going to tell you that much. Um, yeah. So we're going to hope for a code 60 in the beginning of the laps. So similar like yesterday would be good. Um, and then from there, you know, get in some driving time for the AMs again. And then at the end of the race, hope for some good pit stops. And uh, we'll see. Philip, I think everyone is hoping for a code 60. Thank you. Best of luck. Now, what Philip meant by waiting for a code 60 is everyone's going to be f finished the race on where they are fuel-wise. But then with a code 60, you can get in and have a top-up. This man here is the man in charge, Manda Manda Pavert. Hello. Martin, good evening. Good, good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, though? That's more important than yeah, how I am. It's exciting. It's a different uh, way of working uh, than other, other tracks, of course, with the Park from A. Uh, normally we do it on the main straight. Now we have to do it in Park from A in another place. So it was a uh, uh, cross traffic we had with the different uh, support groups. So it was exciting this, this morning. But it was fine. Everything went, went very fine read my mind because that was exactly the question the logistics 
of getting all these cars out on time must have been a nightmare. Yeah, well, you have to have a great imagination to to do these things. Uh, you have to think about it, how it works. But what I always say, we have fantastic teams and the team manager are always involved and they exactly know what we want. And if they don't know, they come with questions. So they support is better than having 10 officials uh, there. They know exactly what we want. So I'm very proud of the team we have. Spa Martin is renowned for track limits. This yeah. is the sort of circuit that you have to maybe just push the limit a little bit to keep that momentum up through the corners. All of that asphalt runoff area yeah. just begs the car to go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How tight have you guys been on track limits? The, 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 the same as always. And we have uh, the special attention on turn 1, 3 and, and, and 17. That are also the dangerous parts. Uh, and anyway, we saw a lot of flat tyres and... Uh, also, the curbs can be very sharp, so we, we, we in fact don't want it. And you see the cars who stay on track, ne never had a flat tire. So I think it, it's, it's, it's to do with each other. It's policing itself. Yeah, 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 exactly. But there's not no way I want it. Uh, I, I'd rather have them between the, the white lines and do it all in the same way. And they have the same advantage or disadvantage. Well, don't take this the wrong way, but I hope you have very little to do today because that means we have a great race. Uh, yeah, I hope the same thing. Yeah. I hope you have a great race as well. You will. I know I, know I will. I've got an easy job. I just like to uh, run about and talking about uh, to things. Now then, the 85, our current series champions, team's champions, is the uh, CP Racing Mercedes, car 85. I like to call it the American car. And uh, Charlie Putman and Joe Foster. Charlie, let's have a word with Charlie who's one of the drivers. In fact, Charlie is the CP of CP Racing. Uh, Charlie, um, a good day yesterday. You're in contention. You're not exactly out of contention. Is this the boss? Yeah. This, this, this is, is the Mrs. real Putman, boss. Yeah? That's the real boss. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how do you think you're going to go? Sorry, what's your name? I can't just call you Mrs. Putman. Diane. Diane, yes. Diane, how is the team going to go today? I think we're just going to go out there and win this race. <laughs> Charlie, that's good no attitude, pressure for you attitude. then from the boss. No, she gets pretty strict orders most of the time like that. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, yeah, we were a little off yesterday. Uh, kind of missed the, the first couple of code 60s and it hurt us a little bit. Yeah, we're a little bit slow on pace. You know, they slowed us down a little bit this year from last year with the restrictors. And, and so that's kind of hurting us a little bit too. But we're just like the Terminator. We'll just keep coming and coming and coming. So. How are you enjoying the Mercedes? Because it was a bit of a transition for you guys from the Porsche, you know, uh, rear-engined, hanging over the rear axle, completely different driving style, huge bonnet now on the AMG GT, completely different car altogether. But you guys clearly got a grips with it last year. Are you continuing to develop in a positive way? Oh, yeah, it's, it never ends, I don't think. But, yeah, the learning curve was really steep there for just a little while, you know, going from the Porsche to the, to the AMG. But the AMG is built to be a friendly driving car. It seems like a big car when you first get in it. And uh, we were just talking on the way out to the track. We said, you know, we've gotten so used to it. Now it just feels like a little sports car. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's really a very comfortable car to drive, so we enjoy it. And today, Charlie, is today about, obviously, it's obviously, like Diane says, it's about going as fast as you can and winning the race. But how, just how do you do that? It's all about keeping out of trouble, and there's a lot more factors that you've got to consider, isn't it? Yeah, well, pace is a big part of it. You know, this, this group is getting so good anymore that you, you can't just sit back and, and win races. You have to go hard the whole time. So that's good. It's competitive. That's fun. For us, you know, our strategy has always been to try to race clean and stay clean and just be there at the end. But I think everybody knows that. So all the teams are sort of doing that. So we'll race as hard as we can probably from the first green flag. And Charlie, I've got to say, you, you know, you, you're, 
I call you guys the American car because you're, in fact, I've put the pressure of you're representing America here in this international series. But what is it about the 24H series? You've been around this series now for some years. What is it that brings you here rather than, you know, another series ever, anywhere else? Well, a couple of things. Uh, one, we really like the tracks. We like the ambiance. We like the ambiance at the racetrack with the teams we're racing with. And I think you've seen it two or three times where one team gets in trouble and the other teams go to help. You know, we bring spare parts. We trade crew people. We do whatever we can to keep running. And I think it's just because everybody here is here to compete. We're not here necessarily to make a, a new name for our factory or, or for ourselves and our careers. We're just here to, to compete and run against each other. We want good even competition so that's that's why we're here to race it's it's the tracks and and the people we're racing with i always think it's nice to be surrounded by kindred spirits and we <laughs> certainly are aren't we oh, thanks yes, for talking to us charlie diane thank you, thank you uh, i'll leave you to have your uh, pre-race debrief All right. and you get your orders charlie what to do uh it's great to have those guys uh, around and coming they could literally race anywhere in the world um a newcomer from a from a stalwart comp, uh, team that's been with us for some years too. A relative newcomer, the Wolkenspiegel team, Monschau, uh, Ferrari, that, uh, a, a team that's transitioned from the VLN for various reasons, but a team that is, has been very welcome here. And it's kind of up the ante a little bit. We've got quite, quite a quality of grid here in the 24-inch series and certainly for the Spa 12 hours. Um, let's see if we can uh, have a word with the driver, who's in the who's in the car? Dave. What's his first name? David Perrell. David Perrell. David, you've been given the responsibility of restarting the car. Do you thrive on that? Do you enjoy that aspect? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's my job to support the team this weekend. That's my priority to help our other drivers because I have a lot of experience in the Ferrari. So uh, yeah, I'll just do the best I can, bring the car back to the other guys, and uh, hopefully we can. Uh, finish the next eight hours in a relatively good position. Um, we have to serve a couple of penalties uh, early on, which we'll try and get out the way, and from then we just need a clean run. Spa-Francorchamps, you've got much experience here. This car must be a joy to drive around the sweeps and turns of this place. Uh, yeah, I've got quite a bit of experience around here uh, at the Spa 24-hour and also some other series last year. Um, going through Eau Rouge never gets boring, I can tell you that. It's absolutely brilliant. Thanks, you, David. Uh, very envious there of uh, David Perel, who will be going through all routes, no, no doubt flat. Um, we're getting towards clearing the grid time. I've just heard a whistle there, guys, so um, I'll head back up to you. I'm going to head into the pit lane, and uh, it's going to be quite uh, a sensational further eight hours here at this majestic Spa-Francorchamps. It's a circuit that is challenging. It's a circuit that's daunting. Let's head up to Johnny Palmer, who's going to talk us around this. It's Joe Bradley down on the grid. Bruce Jones joining him a little bit later on. Seven kilometres of this ribbon of asphalt then that loops its way through the Arden Forest. You start with the slowest corner on the track, La Source, and then accelerate downhill to the mighty Eau Rouge. Turns three, four and five, including Radion, which is the run over the top. And then it's a question of keeping the steering wheel straight down the Kemmel Strait and overtaking opportunity at Le Com as you uh, decrease to 116 kilometres per hour. Tight right-hander at Bruxelles. The left-hander is on there but very crucial again in terms of exit speed down the hill into Double Gauche or Pouon 
Fania, the right and the left, where we had one or two moments, including a spin for the 34 Audi yesterday, and then into Campus Corner, which is tight, and you don't get much margin for error on the exit of that bend. The curve, Paul Frere, into Blanchemont, which again is full commitment, similar to La Source, careful not to run off the track on the exit. The bus stop chicane, a very technical finish to the lap, and therefore so many different types of challenges facing you around 7,004 metres of uh, well, award-winning track. I mean, this place is known throughout the world and no matter where a race driver may be from, so many of them rate Spa as their favourite. So the grid, as we've already mentioned, has been um, taken from the race result yesterday, but some of these cars not starting on the same laps. However, car 11 and 63, both on the front row, will start with 81 laps to their name, and that is because uh, at the very death of yesterday's part of the race, the Lamborghini Huracan managed to stay on the lead lap and therefore will uh, gain about two and a half minutes to be right alongside the Ferrari from the Czech Republic. Behind that, now this is a combination of A6 Pro and AM cars, although the grid is split a little bit further back, but there are four A6 AM cars all on the same lap. Herbert Motorsport, Wynn Ward and HTP Motorsport Mercedes, the car collection Audi that had the spin yesterday, the Kirchhoff sponsored machine, the white and blue car, that will start with 80 laps to its name, and the HB Racing by Herbert Motorsport car number 41, also uh, 80 laps. Then there's a pro car also on the same lap, that's the Phoenix Racing Audi. The CP Racing machine has 79 laps completed so far, and a little bit further back then into the SPXs, uh, there is a, just a lap between the 709 and the 202 cars. Sadly, we're going to restart today's race, though, without the Coroiser racing machine. 991 cars set up nicely because one of those has had a lap gain back again. That's the modern and motorsports machine because it finished the race close enough to Duo Racing, who were the leaders overnight. So 909 and 916 will... Uh, be reinstated in terms of a battle this morning. So tight then in the TCR and the TCE series part of the grid. There's actually a, a rose gap before we see 188 on 75 laps, 112 on the same lap as well. Uh, five cars in total all, no, four cars in total all on 75 laps. So the 102 and the 101 uh, will restart this morning almost as they did yesterday with... Uh, fighting guaranteed down the Kemble Strait and that will all be for position. GDL Racing will start the 157 car from 27th position. That has 73 laps completed, so a couple of laps to try and get back again. Then into the SP3s, it's Pro Sport Performance who lead the Aston, in the Aston Martin with that class and they have something like a 30 lap lead over the Genetta G55 of Colin White. Obviously huge dramas there yesterday. We're also guaranteed a close fight in A3 with Winkler Tuning, Dan Agro Racing, Peugeot and the Synchro Motorsport Honda all starting onto their 72nd lap once the red lights go out. So despite having what, three hours and 50 minutes of racing yesterday, there or thereabouts, uh, the cars didn't get too strung out at all, and virtually every class, apart from SPX, will give us a battle, and actually SP3, as I say that, but otherwise, we have at least two cars on the lead lap for the restart.
Yes, and uh, up at the front. Um, kind of uh, interesting the way that the uh, the uh, Ferrari and Lamborghini were playing cat and mouse with one another yesterday because they were both on the same lap, but each of them just tried to get a bit of an advantage on the other by staying a lap ahead. They, I think between the two of them, quite rightly... Uh, decided that they were going to be sharing the front row and the question was who was going to be on pole uh, and who was going to be on the outside of the front row of the grid and in the end uh, the Grasser racing team opted for the outside of the front row of the grid uh, but they've got more fuel aboard so uh, we've got uh, in the uh, Grasser racing car I think it's Christian Engelhart uh, taking the start um, screen's not uh, actually configured at the moment to tell me but I think it's Christian Engelhart driving in the Lamborghini and uh, he's got far more fuel aboard they'll be able to go for uh, very nearly uh, an hour I reckon yeah. uh, on this morning's uh, running uh, whereas the uh, Matteo Malicelli in the Scuderia Praha Ferrari uh, is going to be into the pits um, in about 40 minutes so they're both fairly well placed they've both got reasonably good tires aboard um, as Joe was telling us it's fairly warm out there but not as warm as it's going to get later on this afternoon so um, we're in a, a, a situation where it is warm but going to get hotter um, and I think it's going to be a nice little battle between those two for the outright positions but even better Johnny I think is going to be the um, race for a6 am because as you were saying there we've got four a6 am cars all on the same lap as each other they're not on the lead lap they're not on the lead lap uh, of the cars, but they are all on the same lap as each other so i think those four a6 am cars are certainly going to be the ones to watch um it was interesting to hear from philip ellis because i was uh, just having a look and i reckon he's got a maximum of a four laps of fuel aboard his mercedes um so joe's question was uh, very neatly sidestepped by uh, Philip saying I'm not going to tell you um, but of the leading runners the windward racing Mercedes has the least fuel aboard uh, that uh, and the other one which has uh, not very much fuel aboard is the 41 Ferrari the HB racing uh, with Herbert Ferrari um, and that car is also going to be fairly early into the pits but as i say the the earliest of them i reckon is going to be the 25 winwood racing mercedes the man filter sponsored car one of the great things about uh, the way that this Creventic series works, I find, Johnny, is that, you know, you show up at a different race and it is only three weeks since we were at Mugello. But the whole shape of the grid, the, the cars at the front, because different cars come along to compete in different rounds. And I do think that adds something to it. You know, you get so many series and you cover a lot of series where uh, you just get the same grid showing up at every single race. And I like the way that Creventic do mix it up a little bit, makes it more interesting for us as commentators, but for spectators. And then I would guess also for the teams competing against different people. I, I fully agree, yes. Um, and the, the shape's set to continue to change throughout the course of the year, I would argue, as well. Um, Czech Republic next, where we've not been for two years. Uh, so some of the competitors won't have been there at all, and those that have been and previously with success, they've got to remember exactly how they did that, digging out um, notebooks of data. So that to be done between now and the end of May. I don't like the look of the... 71709 VR Racing it's Machine. It's a beautiful looking car. Yeah, but there's lots of smoke coming out the back of it. But uh, it's a beautiful looking car. It is a beautiful <laughs> looking car, but it looks mar far more beautiful when there isn't smoke out of the right bank of the exhaust. And I wonder if that's just a little bit of condensation overnight because it's um, possible. It certainly isn't an overfilled oil tank or anything because they've. Um, 
not been allowed to work on the cars overnight, so they've not done anything to them overnight. Um, but uh, as I say, that may just be some water in the exhaust, which is uh, uh, con condensed and is now blowing out. Uh, one car actually, while I think about it, um, I don't think we said this when we were doing the rundown, uh, the number 15 uh, Mercedes uh, has, um, do I mean number 15? No, I don't, I mean 17, the EDEX Sport racing car. Remember that was in the pits yesterday um, as we were heading towards the end of the race. Yeah. Uh, they were having difficulties with the front suspension on that car, as I remember. Car is out, but it's taken a 10 lap penalty, so they did work on that car overnight, the EDEX Sport Mercedes. So uh, that could be a long way down when the timesheets start to, to register what's going on in this portion of the race. Not the only uh, rather large penalty dished out overnight either, but actually some of the cars aren't taking the restart that have been given the 10-lap deficit, so uh, the or the 10-lap uh, penalty. So Speedlover, B2F competition, if they decided to take the restart today, then they would have also started with uh, to being 10 laps further back. Than I, I went down finished, to the garages and they were empty. Yeah. Uh, Deja Parti was uh, the only bit that I understood. <laughs> Colin White's Janetta also had uh, has a 10 second 10 lap penalty rather uh, finished with 49 laps gained one back because it was close enough to the Aston Martin when the uh, when the initial checkered flag uh, fell that's not the final checkered flag of course that's uh, later on today at 5:53 or as close to it as possible so gained one lap back because it was close enough to the SP3 leader but then lost 10 laps because it was worked on overnight the 614 BMW from Intersport Racing we reckon that's going to be a non-starter absent on the dummy grid anyway that would have had a 20 lap penalty due to the car not finishing the first part of the race and well, I assume, again, work being done to it overnight. Otherwise, why would it get 20 laps? Anyway, it looks like that car will not get a restart. Um, those two gain a lap back from the result sheet yesterday. The first class, actually, where this has happened is the 991 division, where six, uh, rather 916 in the modern motorsports Porsche goes from 75 to 76 laps, brings it back to the lead lap in class 991. And also the 903 Teichmann Racing Porsche and the 992 PG Motorsport.nl Porsche both get laps back. So that means we start the 991 class with two cars on the lead lap within division and three cars a lap down. So that, depending again on where cars are in terms of fuel and tyres, could even itself out even more with a couple of, well, five cars all within a lap of one another. And then in the TCR division, the Red Camel Jordans.NL Cupra went from 74 to 75 laps overnight. And there was some movements as well in the A3 part of the entry with Dan Agro Racing and Synchro Motorsport both getting a lap back. So three cars in A3 will start on the lead lap, battling with the E46 BMW from Winkler Tuning. Leaders are already off the Kemble straight now heading towards Bruxelles the TCE series cars reaching the end of that long straight which is very much uphill to the highest point of the circuit at Lecom Yes, good news that we uh, managed to get all four, well, four uh, TCE cars onto the lead lap by the end of the uh, first part of the race with uh, 
I say a bit lucky in a way, the Red Camel Jordans.nl Cupra, um, Rick and Evo Broikers sharing the driving in that car, uh, just managing to uh, get itself back onto the lead lap. It wasn't on the lead lap uh, until uh, the last half hour of the race, but uh, Rick managed to uh, stay out there. But he is going to be uh, a fairly early pit caller, um, I think. So uh, look out for uh, Rick Broikers. Uh, I was saying about earlier other cars to look out for coming uh, into the pits early on um, in the TCR class then uh, uh, we'll poss quite possibly see the uh, the 188 uh, should be able to stay out there for a little while but 112 uh, will be a fairly early pit quarter and uh, which is the other uh, no, I think it's 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 112 which is going to be the early pit quarter 132 uh, being the other uh, early pit caller from the TCR class so, leaders now heading out of Campus Corner and on towards Stavolo, the right-hander, Curve Paul Frere, which is the lingering right-hander up towards Blanchemont. And then in a moment or two, those cars will uh, draw alongside one another in readiness for the restart to this 12 hours of Spa. And it's set to be a real duel in A6 Pro between Bohemia Energy racing with Scuderia Praha and the GRT Grasser Lamborghini uh, with these two cars side by side down the hill then. And we'll also keep you abreast of the battle within A6 Am with Herbert Motorsport set to be uh, alongside Windward Racing and the HDP Motorsport entered car. That will be from the second row with car collection and HP racing by Herbert Motorsport actually ASICs am advantage cars so the way that they will attack this race slightly different from those ASICs ams immediately ahead let's give you drivers in a moment or two as well as to who's in which car but the leaders within GT series are now working their way through the bus stop chicane and now they're under starters orders it's a long pause generally speaking as the cars then filter their way out of that uh, tricky chicane and a great start for the 22 Wockenspiegel team Monschau Ferrari but equally for Matteo Maliacelli who's fighting Rolf in Eichen down towards the first corner so Bohemia Energy versus GRT and Eichen has little opportunity uh, but to uh, just go around the outside of La Source he can't take the position However, Robert Renauer is trying to get one lap back again and also, crucially for him, stay ahead of Phil Ellis. So for Red Ferrari, Green Lamborghini on the same lap. Then Black Porsche, 80 laps completed versus the yellow Mercedes of Phil Ellis. And Max Edelhoff and Taki Constantinou in the Ferrari also all on the same lap as the TCE series element of the race is about to get going now. 20 seconds further back and it's a good start from the 188. AC Motorsport Audi, that's going to be started by Vincent Rademacher no option for the driver of 102, 112 Jan Sorensen, the Autorama Golf smoky further back for a BMW Again, I think that's the diesel uh, BMW, is that anything to worry about? Probably not smoky throughout, good start from Rick Broikers though Johnny, up to third, because second he's place, up yeah. into second place from fourth on the grid so uh, Rick charging and in fact very quick through uh, Rouge there uh, you could see him uh, just getting the throttle down a little bit earlier and it may 
well be by the time they get to the end of the Kemmel Strait. Uh, Rick's going to be in the position to challenge for the lead. They're side by side as they head up towards Lake Coombe, Johnny. Yeah, well, this was what we saw in yesterday's race, the ability of the 101 car to pull away. And then later on in the stint, can Rick get around the outside? Yes, he can at Lake Coombe. There's a spin for Radamacher. He can't get that one back, surely. Cold Hankook tyres. And that's why the priority is always there for drivers to try and get some temperature into the rear tyres. So the, a horrendous start to the race for Vance and Radamacher. He's losing a hatful of time here, waiting for the opportunity to rejoin the track. Couldn't do that any earlier than he managed in the end because it was obviously very busy, the track right behind. Was there any contact to initiate that spin? I don't think so. It was just the tighter line that he tried, attempted to take into Le Com corner and those rear tyres just did not grip and despite him burying the right foot to try and pull the front end of the Audi RS3 around, it was all a little bit too late. The car off onto the grass, and he had to go through another 180 degrees when it was safe to rejoin. So, the Red Camel Jordans.NL machine of Rick Brokers, after such a, an audacious move around the outside, it's uh, managed to come off there, and the 101 car will lead, but I'll just remind you that after about five or six laps yesterday, those uh, tyres on the, on the Cupra did start I, to give up the ghost a little bit. I, I wouldn't swear there was no contact there either. I think the, uh, the screen didn't really show. You needed a head-on shot to see. Um, meanwhile, in the GT class, uh, Johnny, the Herbert Motorsport on a bit of a charge. The number 91 um, Porsche. And I think we said that was Robert Renara, didn't we? Yes, he's on a charge. He's ahead of Rolf Eichen, pulling away from Rolf Eichen, uh, who is himself now coming under pressure from the Bryce Ward driven. So we were told it was going to be Philip Ellis uh, at the wheel of that. My screen is telling me Bryce Ward. Is your screen telling you anything different? My screen is saying Phil Ellis, but... Um, right, OK, that's good. So we'll go with Phil Ellis. That's possibly okay. a glitch on mine because I'm having a, a, a small... Um, crisis here um, but uh, yeah so uh, Phil Ellison has managed to get past uh, and elbow the Lamborghini down to fourth place now uh, although to be fair to the Lamborghini that is on a much heavier fuel load because they put a lot of fuel in it yesterday afternoon towards the end of the race so that Lamborghini uh, somewhat heavier and at the moment I think they're they're playing the long game. Their plan is to stay out there for at least an hour um, and have Rolf Eichen leading the race by the end of the first hour. So we'll see whether that comes to pass or not. Yes, lots of movement in positions already then, but the Ferrari of Matteo Maliacelli is well ahead of the uh, Rolf Eichen-driven Lamborghini. 3.6 seconds with Robert Renault, I beg your pardon, now up to second place. So the Eichen and Philip Ellis battle one to savour. As the Ferrari comes out of Stavolo corner now on towards Curve Paul Frere and down towards Blanchemont. So I'm now cross-checking timing screens and they all appear to say Phil Ellis. Yeah, so no, I'm happy I think with that's that. probably it's, been corrected. Yes, it, it's my it's my my my, my glitch on that one, but uh, hopefully we'll be back with uh, um, a full system in a minute. Uh, Frank Stippler in fifth position, so third place in the A6 Pro class for Phoenix Racing. Taki Constantinou for HB Racing is in sixth position, ahead of Max Edelhoff, David Perel for Bockenspiegel, and then the CP Racing and Rinaldi Racing cars. Rinaldi's car going pretty well, actually, because Andrea Montemini has just set the fastest set her first and third sector times of this morning, although admittedly we've only had a handful of laps. Let's uh, immediately go down for an early report from Joe Bradley. Some drama already for the 202. 
Yeah, the 202 BMW is in. Looks like he's had some frontal damage. It just looks a little bit superficial. He's lost the leading edge of the right-hand side of the front splitter. Now, I'm not sure whether that may be of contact with a, a kerb or a, maybe a bollard. Um, it's certainly going to affect things. And on saying that, there's a mechanic under the wheel arch. Now, the suspension is fine, and it's just there's a, a plethora of cable ties being uh, um, brought into use. So it does look like superficial damage. Whether that's been against the car, I debate whether it has, because it's just purely the splitter that he's damaged. The, the bumper and the winglets on the edge of the bumper is um, a, a completely intact and undamaged. So, I don't know, something very low. He's hit something very low. But the 202 BMW, out of contention, down and now, now down in eight. Thank you, Joe. Um, hopefully that car will return to the race sooner rather than later. The 909 Porsche, which is the entry from Duo Racing, started with 76 laps completed yesterday and had alongside it the Modern and Motorsports entry in the 991 division. So 909 and 916 starting on the same lap uh, for the restart. Let's just have a look at 909. It is now second, so drop, it dropping behind Modern and Modern Motorsports and Benny Simonson, the man we heard from on the grid with Joe. And times slightly more impressive than Simonson compared, compared to Andre Mukovoz. John Rasser, early pit stop for the 709 car. Now, is that anything connected with the smoke that was coming out of the Mark II V8? Or was that purely um, a result of the car being turned off all the way through the, uh, the night time, as everyone, every car was? And you do get these what look like gremlins at the start of the race but actually sort themselves out. And if it was condensation or a similar issue, maybe the coughing and the spluttering has happened for the Mark II, and it's absolutely fine now. The 34 uh, Kirchhoff-sponsored Audi is pursuing the Aston Martin Vantage from the SP3 class. Going very nicely at the moment, though, is Phil Ellis in his Windward Racing HDP Motorsport Mercedes. Fastest lap so far today, and just 1.4 seconds behind Robert Renauer. Driving the 34, by the way, Max Edelhoff the in the 34 car collection R8. Also pretty close, just ahead of the 34. Now, that is battling in TCR. And is that the 101 car about to be overtaken by AC Motorsport? That's a lead change, I reckon, again, in the TCE series part of the race. So uh, 101, Rick Brokers, yes, OK, got a great start. But Jan Sorensen, uh, or was it Jan? Vincent Rademacher in the 188 car, pretty close by as well. I'm going to have to call Johnny. these over the line to work out uh, exactly who uh, th those two cars were just ahead of the 34. Let's just see whether the Kirchhoff car is now ahead, yes it is, so Kirchhoff Audi, 34 Audi goes across the line, 157 battling with the 101, and that was actually to gain a lap back, so 157, a really good start to the morning for Rory Pentinen for GDL Racing and the Audi RS3, as we go back to the pits for another update from Joe. Yeah, contender for the year six amateurs, uh, the 85 Mercedes in for tyres and what's looking like fuel. Uh, Charles Espen Lab stayed on board though, so it's an early pit stop for fuel and tyres for that car. So we're certainly concluding that that car finished with little fuel on board after yesterday. And uh, 
fingers crossed we can now hear from Paul Trusswell again because uh, a yeah. bit of operator error from my side of the booth <laughs> um, prevented you from going to air two seconds ago. Perfectly all right. I'm uh, having my own, as I say, little crisis at the moment. But uh, I would just say the uh, progress being made by Philip Ellis, you were saying fastest man out on the circuit, uh, largely due to the fact that car's got less fuel aboard than any other car on that circuit at the moment. So uh, although, having said that, of course, part of the reason tyres will be uh, uh, getting worn down uh, on the yellow Mercedes and uh, waiting for the leaders to go through there and Rolf in Eichen continuing to uh, drop back in the Lamborghini still being shown as being in second place of course which is where he is overall but as um, is falling down behind cars that started laps behind him. Into the pits comes that uh, Philip Ellis Mercedes, new set of tyres, Joe Bradley is there. Yeah, I'm not surprised he didn't want to tell me how much fuel he had on board because the answer would have been very little. He's in, just like the 85 Mercedes, he's finished with little fuel on board after yesterday's four hour segment. Again, no driver change there, it would make no point, it would make no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It would make no sense to swap the driver at this early stage. All we need to do is fill the tank, and if we're gonna come in for fuel, we might as well give it a fresh set of boots and then stick the driver out for and get him as close to the two hour stint as they can. Yeah, the refueling, uh, sorry, the uh, tire change is generally quicker than a driver change. So leave the driver in, change the tires is a quicker process than changing the driver. Um, crucial thing for the Mercedes is now that it goes down to the refueling area and gets fuel uh, and luckily for it because there weren't many cars with as little fuel aboard as the Mercedes um, the fueling area is going to be completely free so he can get, get in there get the fuel and be on his way uh, as quickly as he can. Uh, Phil Ellis British by the way although if you caught the interview earlier on today or indeed yesterday sounds very German because he was born in Munich uh, but races uh, I think pr presumably because of family heritage as a Brit, and that's not just a case of r uh, racing on a British licence. The 25 Mercedes has now reached the fuelling area. Joe might know a little bit more about this. Well, well, more confusion I can add to the Philip Ellis uh, nationalistic heritage. He's got the Swiss flag on the side of the car alongside his name. Right. And then the German flag on it uh, is um, Normex underwear alongside his name. So he's Swiss, German, English. <laughs> Or Wait, next time you bump German, into English, him, Scottish, Welsh. Next time you bump into him, we uh, you should ask him a question about that because uh, it's not making any sense to me. I'm sure there, are, I'm sure there is a reason for it, uh, but uh, nevertheless, good to have Phil as part of the 24H Series grid this weekend, racing with the two Wards, Bryce and Russell. In the grill of Colin White's Genetta G55, there's uh, a couple of leaves, possibly some evidence of an off-track moment today or maybe yesterday but uh, they obviously haven't cleaned that car out fully they've reapplied the number 378 on the left side of that car after the decals were pretty bad burnt after a, what looked like a serious fire for genetic fire for genetic quickly extinguished and the car was able to limp back to the garage thankfully and the car was able to limp back to the garage but it lost a good chunk of uh, the 49 laps completed for the Ginetta from CWS. Compare that to the SP3 leader overnight, the Aston Martin from Pro Sport Performance, which managed to complete 70 laps. And because the work continued on the CWS car uh, in the interval, it also incurred a first 10 lap penalty. So those two cars started 30 laps apart. Modern Motorsports Porsche now heading to, now heading to the very fast kink that takes the cars onto the Kemmel Strait. Great spectating area on the left there with a high bank 
overlooking the chance to overtake your in traffic. This time, though, Benny Simonson doesn't have anybody immediately ahead, so he can focus on an open road uh, with uh, a slower car just away in the distance that he will need to uh, get by. It looks like, actually, that might be a 991-class car uh, a, a couple of laps off the pace because the class leader is the 912, the 916, rather, of Modern Motorsports. Duo Racing running in second position, but the gap is now something like 30 seconds between those two cars from 916 back to 909. And the WRT uh, Stein Schotthorst driven 27 Audi, uh, that uh, had various problems yesterday, a couple of punctures which obviously needed immediate attention. And car 27 now, its job is to try and work its way back up the order as high as possible. There are a couple of 991 class cars to overtake initially for that WRT entry. And then let's just see how far into the top 10 the Audi can get if it's trouble free today. Out of campus corner goes Benny Simonson then, still with a clear road up ahead. And now reaching the real full commitment part of the lap through Curve Paul Frere, still pulling through the gears. Now they're very, very fast. Blanchemont corner to come, virtually all four wheels out on the grass creek there and certainly on the exit. So Benny Simonson needing to be careful not to do that every single lap, otherwise there will be track limit uh, warnings heading his way. And if he gets several warnings, then that might result in a penalty. So that white and red Porsche over the line. The 685 Peugeot is one of a couple from Dan Agro Racing. And 685 then, an S, uh, rather an A3 car. One of those Dan Agro cars is in second in class. The other one, fourth position for uh, Nikolaj Kandborg and Anders Rasmussen. A puncture already, though, for a Ferrari. This is the Rinaldi Racing Ferrari 488. The car that is currently in 10th position and had been being driven very nicely indeed by Andrea Montemini. In fact, for a brief spell, he'd done the two absolute best sectors in one and three. Maybe pushing a bit too hard, the Italian from Sassuolo. And it means that the rear left tyre is already down on car 47. Now, that won't have been a fresh set of boots for this morning. They will have already done a stint or more gone through the heat cycle effectively so cooled down overnight then brought back up to temperature and whether that's caused a fair bit of stress or it's just been the driving style of Andrea Montemini this morning but uh, that is going to mean an immediate pit stop for car 47 and sadly the car coming into this part of the race on the back foot anyway one thing uh, I'm keeping an eye on, not on the timing screens, but looking out of the window on Johnny, is the progress being made by Robert Renauer at the wheel of the Herbert Porsche. Uh, I reckon he's closed right up onto the tail of Matteo Malicelli's Ferrari. Um, now, it's not going to be an overtake for position, uh, although in effect it is in this portion of the race, uh, but because the Herbert Porsche finished a lap behind, disappointingly I have to say, there goes the Ferrari, there's Robert Renaro just tucked in behind him uh, and then just put, tucked in behind him is David Perel uh, with the um, number 40, sorry, 22, the Wappenspiegel Ferrari. So um, those cars 
quite close together out there on the track and although Malucelli is pushing on hard uh, I think he is aware as he did actually say to us that uh, he's going to have to be a little bit careful with um, with the tyres so as not to uh, overstretch them. The Ferrari with the puncture now a bit further around the lap. The 11 car, remember, don't get these two Ferraris mixed up because the 11 car is leading the race by now 11 seconds. So that's Matteo Malicelli from Rolf Inaichin. And Inaichin is still battling with... Well, I was about to say Robert Renauer, but that's not the case. Well, they, no, were, no. they were side by side, weren't they? But the problem was the timing screen is not going to show us that battle in reality because... Uh, it's showing the overall positions adding together yesterday's laps <coughs> on top of today's, today's laps. So if you take today's race in isolation, uh, then Rolf Eichen has slipped a long, long way back. Um, but uh, as I mentioned, I think his uh, strategy is the long game. Uh, and what he's going to try and do is to uh, just stay out there for as long as he possibly can and therefore take the lead, uh, both on this part of the race and in overall terms, when Matteo Malicelli brings the Scuderia Praha Ferrari into the pits. The Paragon-backed Ferrari uh, now suffering with a puncture and therefore the tyre uh, is now starting to whip away at that rear diffuser of the 47 Ferrari. So Montemini needing to be wary of that and the fact that he's maybe going a little bit too quickly now to get the car back as quickly as possible to the pit lane but you don't want to incur further damage to the car. Tyre is easily changed, but rear diffusers, but rear diffusers certainly are not. For Audi in the fueling area, so this is the second part of the pit lane, the endurance pit lane. And actually to get from the Grand Prix pits to the endurance pits, you have to return to the track. Although you can't take to the racing area of the racetrack, you have to stay to the right side of a solid white line. And that takes you from one pit wall to the next pit wall. Two hundred two BMW down the hill as we now focus on a full lap of Spa, which I can describe to you if you're purely listening on radio. The Scuderia Praha Ferrari is our mount, and a big wiggle through O uh, Rouge corner and over Radion for Matteo Malicelli. Uh, that was far from ideal as the rear of the car just needed some coaxing into O Rouge itself, and he was all over the curves on the exit through Radion itself. Down towards the end of the Kemmel straight then, with jostling GT cars up ahead, turning right, then left, then right again at Lecom corner, as rejoining the race is now the 41 Ferrari. That car's just been fuelled. Down the hill goes Matteo Malicelli then, into Bruxelles corner. We'll continue the onboard lap in just a moment because there are higher priorities for Joe Bradley. You've got a stricken Ferrari with you. Yeah, he's done very well up. Onamini has uh, brought that car home and caused uh, minimal damage to the left rear quarter of that car. But um, I can tell you that the carcass of the uh, the tyre has completely detached itself. Um, the tread area has completely detached itself from both sidewalls, inner and outer. And uh, it's hard to tell whether it's caused or I'd say the inner wall went first because the tire car, the tread of the carcass is still attached to the outer si side wall. And uh, straight on it, the Hankook tire engineer is straight in to have a look at that. Now, we spoke to 
the I spoke to the Hancock tire engineers yesterday and they said it was it was hard to put their finger on exactly what the problem was. We've got sharp curbing here at Spa. We've got the need to extend those track limits to the maximum and sometimes take in the curbing and more, which causes the tire to run over the sharper edges of that. Um, Add into the factor of some teams just trying to eke a little bit of performance out of their setup with a little bit of with a little bit of camber maybe. Pressures are, you know, the Hancock tyre engineer. All they can do is advise the teams as to where the tyre will perform best, longevity-wise and also performance-wise. But it's up to the teams whether they take that advice. And sometimes you can get a little bit more performance. Um, and dis which disadvantages with the longevity of the tyre and it depends on where you're trying to gain and lose it's all a balancing act um, if one of the tyre guys will talk to me which I doubt they will because they're too busy um, but that's the it's, it's very very difficult uh, job for them to pinpoint exactly what caused that tyre failure on the Rinaldi car as well as all the other failures that we've had because there are a lot of factors to consider and then it would take a forensic scientist to take this carcass away, seven higher with the tyre now. And you, if you can see this on the TV, this is absolutely scorching. It's completely pulled away on the inside and outside. You get on with your job, man. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, it's hard to say what caused that, because obviously when Montemini brought the car back, the tyre has become more and more damaged with running on this, on this completely destroyed tyre. So you destroy the evidence, which is the evidence of what caused the initial puncture, if that makes sense at all. So yeah. I'm glad I'm a commentator and not a tyre engineer looking at that thing. I would need the forensic scientist report. Yeah, well, there, there are ways, incredibly, of working out exactly what happened to that tyre and indeed the punctures we had yesterday as well. And this will all go back to the Hankook data logger so that they can work out whether it was driver abuse of the tyre or whether there's been a genuine failure there. Uh, Whilst Joe was giving us that uh, story on the Ferrari, we uh, didn't see Malicelli coming into the pits and uh, he's now made his pit stop. It was half an hour into this uh, portion of the race. Uh, remember, it started with the um, formation lap, so half an hour into the race. Uh, and as I said, he would. Malicelli into the pits uh, for more fuel. And it's a slightly earlier than I thought it would be, but it does now mean that Rolf Eichen has taken over the lead of the race, which was his objective, I said, by the end of the hour well it's happened earlier than I thought it would um, so Rolf Reinaichen then becomes the um, a new leader it's then becomes the 13th uh, change of lead in the race overall um, but he now I reckon has enough fuel to keep going for at least uh, another 20 minutes or so so Reinaichen uh, may have lost ground to some of the cars who started on the grid around him but he does now lead the race overall and even though Philip Ellis is all over the back of the Lamborghini um, that car has lost ground now uh, are they now on the same lap uh, no they're not because Philip Ellis uh, lost a lap didn't he when he was uh, having the extra fuel added to the Windward racing car so uh, Philip Ellis possibly going quicker than Rolf Eichen but not challenging for position just trying to get a lap back yes so 93 laps completed for Rolf in the green and orange Lamborghini Huracan. The yellow Mercedes has completed, uh, that's Phil Ellis, isn't it? So completed 90 laps. So there are three laps difference in reality. But one of those, if it can gain that car, that lap back again, 
it will mean that uh, that will be 91 laps completed next time around, so only two are full. In reality, uh, two and a bit laps, the difference. 9.86 now with potentially a problem. The car does appear to be slowing at Lecom corner, although has gone out of that sequence of right, left and right handers and now heading down towards Bruxelles. So that is the Dan Agro car, which is in fourth position. And in A3, the leader is currently the Synchro Motorsport, Dan Wheeler driven FK8, with in second place Nikolai, Nikolaj uh, Kanborg in the RCZ, and Winkler Tuning's BMW E46 driven by Michael Winkler himself, treble six car. Modern Motorsports still out front in the 991 class, and the lead is fairly good at the moment for that car, the 916, continuing to stretch its legs over Duo Racing's Porsche. Let's just have a look at the gap between those two class leaders. It's a lap, isn't it? And in fact, uh, Andre Mukovoz has just pitted in the Duo Racing Porsche, the 919, so that gap's going to increase yet further. Ferrari down the hill is the 47 returning to the race after that puncture and Joe Bradley has this from the pit lane. Uh, just a little bit more of the tyre thing, I just wanted to remind everyone that it's not like we finished the race yesterday and the cars were parked up and then just restarted and went into the race. The teams were given the opportunity to adjust things like tyre pressures to restart so factors that would have been taken into consideration for a starting tyre pressure would have been ambient and track surface temperatures and I know they're a little bit high in the day and they're going to climb and be this is going to be the hottest day of the whole weekend so that would have been a consideration before we restarted um, so let's not forget that it's not like the cars were just restarted as they finished yesterday to an extent they were but things like tyre pressures which is a safety thing they're allowed to make slight adjustments so just one question for you, the Danagro car has just been in for a bit of a service on the rear axle, but I wasn't sure which car that was. Paul might be able to tell us which of the Danagro cars has just been in for the pit stop and which of the cars is coming round slowly. Are they the same car? I'll be waiting here to see if that is the case. Oh, and another puncture. It's the Wagenspiegel Ferrari. This time it's the right-hand side tyre that's gone. It was the left-hand side on the Modamini Ferrari, this time on the number 22 Ferrari. It's the right-hand tyre, and it looks, it looks exactly the same. So another tyre failure. This is going to be a factor, guys. This is going to be a factor for the rest of the day. And we've seen the carcass there, the tread of the carcass almost coming off the wheel in exactly the same fashion we've seen already. So again, cause or effect, impossible to tell at this stage, but a complete and utter headache for the handcuff guys to have to defend themselves. A Porsche Lorient 991 class Porsche loops it on the exit of the bus stop chicane. Was that all on its own? Yes, it was, coming out of the right and the left-hander at the end of the lap, and that happened right in front of the race leader as well. So had the number 11, Matteo Mali, or not, not race leader, former race leader, Matteo Malicelli, uh, had been a bit, a bit closer to that Porsche. There may have even been contact. Thankfully, he was about two car lengths further back. Something else, Joe, that I'd like you to investigate as well. What you won't know that was happening in the back of your shot as you were facing camera, the uh, 709 
VR Racing Mark II car up on the dolly jacks and being wheeled into the garage. That restarted this morning's race as the SPX leader. It's now lost a lot of ground. I was slightly concerned about the smoke coming out of the right-hand side of that car at the restart. Well, <coughs> excuse me. So the SPX new race leader is the BMW M3 of Michael Verhagen. So, so much happening in this race at the moment. It's difficult to keep up, frankly. One thing is for sure, Rolf Eichen leads in the Huracan. But Not from the Mercedes, actually from the 91 Robert Renault Porsche, but it seemed like Robert's been losing a bit of time to cars around him, even though he hasn't been losing any positions. Yeah, but Robert, Robert Renault is now on the lead lap because he's ahead of Rolf Eichen's Lamborghini on the road <clears throat> on this restart. So uh, these two are on the lead lap. Now, um, in effect, that's going to be difficult for them to do anything about, but uh, it's... Um, it's good news for Herbert in at least that their car uh, is now back on the lead lap, which it um, almost managed to do at the interval, but wasn't quite able to do so. Uh, just to go back to Joe Bradley's question before we had all those other things that were happening about the uh, Dan Agro cars, um, which came into the pits. The one that came into the pits was the 686 car, uh, Anders Rasmussen, uh, which came into the pits. Uh, he's gone out again. Uh, however, he's not yet come round at the end of his uh, next lap. Uh, yes. So he's, he's done his out lap, but he hasn't come round at the end of his first flying lap. Also, something of note happened a, a few minutes ago, and it was oh, the Peugeot that was rather slow. Now, this was causing a problem for the 101 Cupra at Eau Rouge Corner, and it had to take to the grass. Rick Broker's still at the wheel of 101, but Rick, eager to get by, didn't realise that the Peugeot was ailing through Eau Rouge and up over Radion, and that could have been a much bigger incident than it turned out to be. But that was the one that had just been into the pit, so um, it was uh, Anders Rasmussen at the wheel. That was him having his first flying lap. Um, so, yes, he was probably taking things a little bit cautiously because, yeah. of course, the first time when he came uh, through Eau Rouge, he would have come uh, in the pit lane through Eau Rouge. Um, and so that was his first flying lap through Eau Rouge, so probably just taking things a bit carefully. Uh, and obviously, Rick Broikers um, on... Um, well, he's always on full steam ahead, but uh, <laughs> Rick uh, trying to make up uh, the ground. Uh, that car having... Um, been held on the lead lap as a result of uh, good driving at the end of yesterday's race, now leading the TCR race uh, overall and Rick trying to put uh, some distance between himself and the rest of the TCR field. The front of that car is now full of grass though after that trip across the scenery and he'll have to keep an eye on the gauges as far as engine temperature is concerned as Phil Ellis goes one side of the 105 and the Lamborghini Huracan of Rolf and Eichen had to go the other side so as they head towards the Kemmel Strait will Phil Ellis be ahead? Well Rolf and Eichen is not going to give this up easily it's not going to be a lead change remember Phil Ellis is lapped back and also trying to get into this battle is the 27 Audi of Stein Schottorst so for WRT, that Audi, a long, long way back in the order. Nevertheless, it doesn't stop them being, or trying to be, three abreast at the end of the Kemmel Strait. Quite incredible racing there. And the driver of the 105 must have wondered what on earth was going on. Rolandas Salis for GSR Motorsport. That Golf just kept the steering wheel straight and was completely swamped by three GT3 cars. Ellis now is ahead on the road of Rolf in Eichen. So that is one lap gained back again. And Scott Horst in his wheel tracks trying to do the same for car 27. 27 has done 90 laps. Phil Ellis, this is currently his 94th lap, but the race leader is on lap 97. 
Yes, and uh, with around about 15 to 20 minutes worth of fuel still aboard for Rolf Eichen, Robert Renauer, meanwhile, is into the pits with the number 91 Porsche. So the second place car uh, got himself onto the lead lap, but will now fall back off the lead lap again. Uh, the Porsche number 91, Robert Renauer, whilst that car is being refuelled. Uh, back to the pit lane, uh, here's Joe Bradley. Yeah, Dan Agro just tried to confuse us, guys. The 685 Peugeot RCZ has just been in for what looked like a very scheduled stop. Quite a quite a thing when you've got a five-stood uh, wheel pattern and every wheel has to have five wheel nuts removed. It's the 686 car that had been in. Looked like it had some kind of uh, attention to the rear axle. Now, that might have been brake pads, but I couldn't see from where I was. And that is the car. I think you guys said the 686 had problems out on track and was moving slowly. That hasn't appeared in pit lane, so I'm presuming you guys can tell me otherwise, I'm presuming that that car's back in the race proper. Yes, it was uh, It was not going slowly, excessively slowly, but we worked out that it was the first time uh, that Rasmussen had gone through Eau Rouge, uh, having just exited the pits on the previous lap. Um, and of course, Rick Brokers on absolute uh, charge um, just found that the... Um, the Peugeot was just going a little bit too slowly. Now, here's a surprise because Rolf Eichen is into the pits already and I thought maybe he would stay out a little bit longer than that. Uh, he's done 27 laps uh, in this morning's part of the race. Um, the screen showing that he's completed 97. Uh, so uh, that's because he did 81 laps yesterday. And uh, so that car into the pits, Rolf Eichen and Joe Bradley may be in a position to tell us whether or not there was a driver change on the Lamborghini. Uh, right, we'll... Uh, Joe yes. will find, well, attempt to find that out. Meanwhile, if you're enjoying the video stream, then we're doing the full lap now for the Synchro Motorsport uh, Class A3 race leader, and Dan Wheeler is your pilot. So whilst those on the live stream enjoy that visually, Joe Bradley will uh, describe to us uh, what you're seeing in the pit lane. Well, the car, the tyres that have come off the uh, the 685 Danagro Peugeot, it might have looked like a scheduled stop, but when the tyres have come off, we've got two flat spots that have appeared on the car. Now, this is just the minutest of braking application that can cause the tyres to flat spot. And you've seen it so many times on TV where you see smoke coming from the car. But this, within that, you've got to consider that this is what happens. Look at that immediately. That there is the metal. It's totally worn away the rubber. And the reason why it happens here is because of the camber on the wheel. It's this leading edge that's in contact with the uh, track surface. So look at that damage. That's just a microsecond of a brake application. This wheel, not so bad, but already that, that rubber there is the last of the rubber. That is through to the carcass. That tire is finished. And also, that tyre is now in a dangerous position, uh, a dangerous condition, and needs to be changed. Was the driver was the driver complaining of a vibration? Yeah, yeah, you just saw it there. So the driver said, I've got a vibration, I've locked the tyres, he needs to come in, and look how close he was to disaster. That's what we're contending with all the time, guys. 
Well, yeah, and often beyond the marker of disaster too, because uh, we've had tyres going bang already this morning. We had several of them yesterday as well, and that's uh, sometimes down to a choice on the amount of camber you run on each of the wheels. Obviously, this being a clockwise circuit, so the car is naturally leaning to the left side, and therefore at the outer wheels, you want a bit more camber on those, because as the car leans, the tyre effectively becomes flat on the road, whereas if it's dead straight down the Kemmel straight, then that inner uh, shoulder is getting more punishment. And then as the car works its way through Lecom corner, uh, the outside tyres, front left and rear left, are getting a real punishing uh, run on into Bruxelles. And imagine it then down, at, down the hill at Campus, Stavelo and Curve Paul Frere. So uh, Rolf and Eichin back out of the pits, or sorry, he's still in the pits, uh, having fuel put in. Malicelli, meanwhile, is out on the circuit, and I reckon he's going to be coming up towards us very shortly. Uh, so having both of the leaders, who remember started side by side, they've both now been in for fuel, and we'll see who gets out first, uh, whether the Lamborghini is going to be able to stay out uh, in the lead of the race. There goes the Ferrari across start-finish line. Uh, he'll turn through La Source and we'll then look down to see whether or not Inaikin is going to be able to get out of the pits before the Ferrari or whether the Ferrari Matteo Malicelli is going to be able to retake the lead of this race with now 97 laps on the books. Dan Wheeler driving the Synchro Motorsport Honda and the A3 leader now just getting to the end of the Kemmel straight so this is where as I say the tyres particularly on the left side of the car are being stressed heavily particularly if you choose to ride the kerbs at that uh, little sequence, the complex at the end of the Kemmel Strait, down into Bruxelles. It's a late cut to the kerb, maybe about three quarters of the way through that corner. So ignore the kerb through the first section of Bruxelles, but then come back to the apex at the very last possible moment. That means getting the car to the right side of the track for the left-hander at speakers is relatively easy. And it's all about then your optimum run out of that corner down into Puon, which is the double left. Plenty of runoff, but nowhere near that is Dan Wheeler. That's the better option. Stays off the kerb on the exit of Puon, and then down towards Fania corner, which is into the sunshine, rather awkward. A right and a left, taking the kerb on through the first part of Fania, and indeed the second part, and then running out nice and wide. Down the hill towards Stavlo and more kerb taken there as well we saw a Porsche virtually jumping right over the kerb and the grass yesterday all corrective steering necessary for Wheeler as he gets then to Stavolo corner and then a question of working his way through the gears foot fat, flat to the floor at this point away in the distance is the track disappearing to the left we're not quite at Blanchimont now we need to set the car up by straddling the white line although Daniel Wheeler uh, much more neat and tidy than some of the GT3 runners in this race so far this morning and then into the old bus stop chicane called a bus stop because there used to be one there in terms of the track configuration here at Spa not an actual bus stop but it was a left a right a right and left um, this is a more conventional chicane these days but very crucial to your top end speed over the timing line and that's another lap completed of the Spa-Francorchamps circuit by Daniel Wheeler. Lights are flashing then by Matteo Maliacelli who is back to the top. 
Indeed, back to the lead of the race, uh, Johnny, and uh, good timing for uh, the Synchro Motorsport there to have Matteo Malicelli going past him. Just set the fastest lap of the day in the Ferrari. Um, I suppose it's almost happy hour. Um, not as fast as Matteo went yesterday, but nevertheless, fastest lap of today's portion of the race. Um, but what I'm somewhat concerned about was the length of time that Rolf Eichen spent in the pit lane because um, he was uh, more than 30 seconds longer in the pits than the Ferrari was and that's half the reason why Matteo Malicelli has gone back into the lead of this race we're still waiting for uh, the Lamborghinis to come across the start finish line in fact here he comes now there goes uh, Rolf Eichen uh, across the line Rolf possibly not the quickest certainly not a in a straight fight between himself and Matteo Malicelli um, but uh, well, I think once we get uh, the likes of uh, Mirko Bortolotti and Christian Engelhardt back at the wheel of the car uh, then it will go a little bit more quickly um, but to be fair to Rolf uh, he is a semi-pro compared to uh, Stefano Constantini who's the am in that car who's yet to actually drive the Lamborghini Charles Espenlaub has had a spin at the chicane this happened a little while ago and into the bus stop or rather out of the bus stop yes car already sideways in fact maybe a conflagration with the other Mercedes which is the HTP car the man filter backed machine of Phil Ellis so Ellis certainly tangled up there um, in terms of it being a slow lap and was there yeah there is there was some contact because it's now um, there's a bit of bodywork loose on the front of the yellow Mercedes the 85 car meanwhile still not quite pointing in the right direction having to reverse and Charles Espenlaub not wanting the pit lane on this lap so now he's got to find a, a, a forward gear and this is very costly indeed for the number 85 car which will finally rejoin after the Wockenspiegel team Monschau Ferrari creeps through shot and so uh, yeah damage potentially for Phil Ellis and very costly for car 85 and confirmation that uh, there was indeed some contact between those two comes with the uh, screen telling us that the incident between cars 25 and 85 is under investigation so um, clearly the race control has spotted something going on there at uh, the same time between those two one of the winglets I reckon on the front right corner of that Mercedes one of the dive planes that has now become loose and there are a couple of fixing points for those bits of bodywork to the or bits of aero basically that are attached to the bodywork still clinging on by one of the attachments but the other one has been ripped completely asunder so Fingers crossed that section of bodywork will stay on the car. If not, it may get a mechanical warning flag to address that in its next pit stop. The five Phoenix Racing Audi out of La Source and down the hill towards Eau Rouge. Interesting gaggle of cars behind it as well. And it is Frank Stippler driving the number five car up to fourth position already and now only eight seconds behind Daniel Alleman. So this car is a lap off the ultimate A6 Pro field, but I get the feeling Felix have started this morning's race very nicely. Uh, yes, indeed, and of course, um, uh, although he is in uh, the Pro, he would like it to be um, a Pro 123, uh, and it will be a change in position because Stippler is lapping considerably quicker than Daniel Alleman. Um, no reflection on uh, Daniel, but he's not as experienced as Frank Stippler. Um, and the Audi and Porsche as cars very closely matched indeed. 
So uh, I think that is going to be a change for position quite soon. Malicelli, meanwhile, continuing to uh, extend the gap between himself and Rolf Ineichen, who did indeed stay behind the wheel of the Grasse Lamborghini. We did express a question as whether that would be Ineichen staying behind the wheel, but it is. So um, we're coming up towards 55 minutes of uh, this morning's segment of the race completed. So nearly an hour completed. Uh, and both the two leading cars, having made pit stops, but keeping their driver aboard in both cases. For Herbert, it was a change of driver from Robert Renaro who started the car to hand over to Daniel Allemann. Uh, Frank Stippler, as Johnny was just saying, in fourth place at the moment, but closing in on Allemann. Uh, he's took the start of the race, uh, and pretty much everybody behind him also uh, staying in the car through its first pit stop. Peter Turting reaching Eau Rouge. His engine note you can hear in the background, um, it's the 980 MRS GT racing car trying to get some laps back compared to the 991 class leader. Leading the class is the 916 Modena Motorsports car. We've already mentioned quite a bit about Benny Simonson so far today. Second place is now the PGMotorsport.nl entry. Jos Menton doing the driving in car 992. And then third, slipping to third, Duo Racing, car 909, the car of Andre Bukovos. But MRS, seventh place, 85 laps completed, so that makes it 11 laps off the pace in the 991 division. And in TCR, that is now being led by the Home Guard Motorsport VW Golf, car number 102 in Roy Edlund's hands, because uh, Rick Broikers has been in for more fuel in the uh, Red Camel Jordans.nl car. I thought he would be amongst the earlier pit stoppers in TCE, uh, and he has stopped for fuel. Uh, and so uh, Rick Broikers has stayed behind the wheel of the Cupra, but uh, has now lost the lead of that class, although he's now he's still in second place in the class, even allowing for the fact that he stopped for fuel. Uh, Vincent Rademacher having lost ground early on, as uh, we were saying, when he was um, squeezed a little bit by Rick Broikers going uh, through Le Coombe. Uh, Vincent Rademacher still there in third place in TCR in his AC Motorsport entered Audi. So it's Golf leading, Cupra second, Audi RS3 in third place, uh, and those three cars all still on the same lap as each other. And Roy Edland uh, on the ragged edge as he reaches Eau Rouge and then over Radion, appearing now at the start of the Kemmel Strait in the 102 car uh, from Holmgard Motorsport, looking resplendent in its usual white and red livery. A great addition to the championship this year, possibly last year, are the large numbers in the windscreen, so when the car is head-on, to the camera that peers down the Kemmel Strait. Very easy to identify which golf it is. I'm not sure they all carry those numbers. No, they don't, because the Cupra that is now appearing on the main straight, uh, the uh, rather large white number's absent. So I couldn't tell you which one that was. It's 132, now turning right. Uh, oh, it's got them in the rear window, but just not on the windscreen. So 132 is another TCR car. The Igorio Lankai entered. Cupra of Aronas uh, Gasiauskas. That's probably not the correct pronunciation at all, but uh, seventh place for that car, number 132. And again, some ground lost 
during yesterday for Igoria Lankai. That car is on lap number 90 now. The TCR leader working lap 95. Uh, a job, job for Joe Bradley, as in when uh, he can uh, get on with it. Or possibly it might be a job for Bruce Jones to do, because Bruce will be, I'm sure, um, starting his shift down in the uh, pits fairly shortly. Um, remember you uh, expressed your concerns about the smoke coming out of the VR Racing Mark II V8 earlier on uh, in the race, John. In fact, it was right at the start of the race. Uh, well, it's been in the pits um, for the last 20 minutes or so. So um, we did say that it came in. You spotted it being pushed back into the garage yes. um, well it's still there so um, say a, a, a job for somebody to uh, to pick up on uh, to give us some information on the 709 uh, VR racing uh, entered Kvik Motors Mark 2 V8 well Joe is uh, or has been watching the work that's taking place on the Mark 2 um, but you don't reckon it's necessarily very obvious what they're doing. Uh, this car was trailing smoke on one of the formation laps, or in fact both of them, I think. Uh, do you think the attention is related to that or something entirely different? Well, always a bad sign when you've got um, an engineer with a laptop plugged in and the laptop paying more attention to the laptop than this area of the, of the car. This is a bit, bit of a, a clue for me. We've got, this is a, a, a plug spanner and this is where the spark plugs are mounted on the engine. So I would say this car has lost a cylinder. It's had a misfire, no doubt. That's why we're checking plugs. But if there was smoke, which you guys detected, I would say that that probably that engine's probably lost a cylinder. Is it the? Well, it's got eight of them. The engine problem? Uh, yeah, we don't know why, but it's about the engine. Yes. It, uh, have we lost one cylinder or something? Do we think? Not completely lost, but there's one problem with one cylinder for sure. We don't know. We don't know really now. So. Okay. That's a so it's a puzzle. I I said when the laptop they pay more attention to the laptop than they are actually taking bits and pieces off the engine here. Then that's always a bad sign. Oh look at that! See that? That's just automotive pornography there. That all and damper. But that's just a, a bit of a, a tangent that I went off on there just visually. Sorry about that. <laughs> it does appear to be very solidly built, I'll give you that. And, uh, yeah, expert design. We were talking about Bilstein shocks yesterday, weren't we? And uh, now Olin's as well getting uh, a little bit of a mention here on our coverage. Um, uh, yes, a question of uh, diagnosis. And often that takes the longer time than fixing the problem. But was there concern then on the first few formation laps for that car and this again is a little quirk to the fact that we've got to stop overnight race cars like to get up to temperature and remain at that operating temperature continue to be you know thrashed to within an inch of their lives constantly that's how they're designed to do what they're not necessarily designed for is to cool down could be completely cold and then cold started on saturday morning for even longer a run so one car it seems like not getting on with that transition We've brilliantly well. Meanwhile, Aston Martin. Sorry, Joe, I still had your <laughs> microphone live there, as you I might know. have been able to tell. Here's the number one Aston Martin in. Yeah, and uh, this car in for a scheduled stop. It's having a driver change. I think it's... Is that Rabindra getting out? I yes. know it's, ne it's Nico Verdonk getting in. Rabindra getting out. Yeah, it, there's definitely a uh, different in uh, body size to Rabindra and Michael Mooneman. And I know it's not Rodri Guillaume because he's just in the pit garage just taking a, a video on his phone. So Akil Rabindra gets out of the car. Curry doing well. It's uh, 
It's showing number boards for the GT race. However, this car is part of the TCE race, I believe. Yes, or we is it the other way around? No, no, you're, you're, you're right, uh, Joe. It's um, We haven't really talked about it in today's part of the race. We talked about it yesterday. Um, because it's yeah. the only car in GT4, it's been moved into the SP3 class. Uh, and because the SP3 class is part of the touring car division, uh, it's actually running as a touring car entry. Uh, so that's why the number one Aston Martin is being shown as being in the TCE division. Um, it's because it's not a GT4, well, it's is a GT4 car uh, and it's running it would run as the GT4 class car but so that they've got some competition uh, they've amalgamated GT4 and SP3 together uh, which is what Preventic did a couple of years ago and it was only last year that they split them in the first place. Akil, Akil I'm gonna say you had the pleasure of starting the Aston Martin this morning was it a pleasure it looked pretty frantic out there. Yeah it was a good start for me I, I enjoyed my whole stint uh, got some overtaking done I think I, I brought in the car in uh, P1 of the TCR category and also in R category. So yeah, car feels really good on the track, well balanced. I think towards the end, uh, I felt the heat a bit, but uh, yeah, all good. So the heat, and you're Indian. So if an Indian's feeling the heat, what are you Europeans stand? So is it getting really hot out there, is it? Yeah, it's, it, it, it tends to get get warmer, I think, as you go. I think maybe the last 10 minutes or so is the warmest. Um, I try my best not to use the AC, so I try to be as uh, as a racing driver as I can, but uh, maybe if it gets hot, I might have to turn on the AC. An Indian turning on the AC, wow. Um, Akhil, um, the, the rising temperature, has that had an effect on the way that the car handles with regards to the tyres? Yes, it, it does It does affect the car a lot. We'll, we definitely have to drop the pressures every time. So I think uh, so now when we start off, we'll probably go as low as we can. So the tyre is very consistent till the end. So we've got to make sure the, the car does move around a bit more. So I think if you're, if you're not over-pushing it on every lap, you should have a good set of tyres till the end. And is that what you... When you're driving, you're thinking about getting the car to the end rather than just doing the fast lap? Yes, that's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's not about one lap pace here. It's about having an average lap time. So you don't want to go break as late as you can in every corner. Just about having a good rhythm. You know, you can maybe drive at 90%, 95%. You don't have to go all out. You don't have to take all kinds of risk. Consistent, clean driving, and that should, that's, uh, should help out. Do you enjoy that, Akhil, or do you prefer sprint racing? Uh, I enjoy both. I think you give me a car on a track, I'll enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, learning the dynamics of sprint and uh, endurance is really good for me. Uh, I'm with my European scenes, I'm having a very good experience in the sprint. And, and most, most of racing in the world, uh, GTE and GD3 is endurance, so I think I'm getting a good taste for it. Yeah, we love having you here. We love having you guys in the Aston Martin. Thanks, Akil. I'll leave you to get cooled off. I yeah. tell you what, it's, it does fit, it's, we're in the shade here in the pit lane. Um, but when I do step onto the pit wall into the sunshine, it is quite hot and it's going to be, I think we're going to see highs of 23 degrees maybe. That could even stretch to 25 according to the forecast I saw. Okay, well we'll keep our, our mindset on uh, a potential increase in ambient temperature. You mentioned uh, that uh, where Akil Ravindra is originally from, but he's been racing in Europe for a number of seasons now in BRDC Formula 4, Formula 3 and a full season in British GT in 2017 as well. Uh, one hour completed, so 6 hours and 42 minutes to go and it's the Bohemia Energy with Scuderia Praha Ferrari 488 that leads the way. Matteo Maliacelli ahead of La the Lamborghini Huracan of GRT Grasser and Rolf Inaiki 
Inaikin. The gap is 57.1 seconds as Inaikin just went over the timing line. Then a lap back, the Audi R8 from Phoenix Racing being driven very nicely by Frank Stippler. Only just his... taking that position on that last lap. There you go. So he's just got ahead of Daniel Alleman and uh, therefore his hard work this morning for just over an hour is rewarded again. But he's been doing plenty of overtaking as the German uh, on Saturday morning and he'll have to hand that car over to a co-driver within the hour. Daniel Alleman slipping to fourth place in the 91 Herbert Motorsport Porsche. Fifth place is Phil Ellis driving the Windward Racing Mercedes. HB Racing next up in their Ferrari. That's Taki Constantinou, who started the car this morning, ahead of Max Edelhoff in seventh position for car collection. David Perel in the Wockenspiegel Ferrari. Ninth place for Charles Espenlab, despite the spin at the bus stop chicane for the CP Racing Mercedes. And in tenth position, now on an outlap, is the 916 Modern Motorsports Porsche that leads the 991 class. WRT and their Audi being driven by Stein Scottos for this first couple of stints. That's 11th ahead of Andrea Montemini, despite a puncture for the Rinaldi Racing Ferrari. That car is 12th. The 991 class 909 car is, in fact, second in that division. The duo racing entry from Luxembourg. So slipping to third in 991, pgmotorsport.nl, and that's Jos Menton in car 992. In turn, ahead of the Porsche Lorient Racing enter, entry, uh, Teichmann Racing's Porsche, also the 991 class. SPX leader is JR Motorsports BMW M3. And there's a stray A6 Pro Edex Sport car there finishing the top 20. And that's because that car had a penalty, a 10-lap penalty, overnight for work outside the Park Fermé regulations. VR Racing's Mark II is in the pit lane being worked on. That's car... Uh, 709. Koroiza did not appear again this morning. He's gone home sadly because of a dreadful race yesterday. Hoffer Racing's Mercedes did even start yesterday as part of the race. Likewise, Toxport and Herbert and the B2F competition and speed level Porsches did not return for Saturday either. TCE Series. This is currently led by the Rick Brooker's Red Camel Jordans.NL Cupra, the bright orange 101, ahead of Holmgard Motorsports. Volkswagen Golf and 101 versus 102 separated by well it's labelled as laps at the moment it might be a bit less than that because Roy Edland is due across the line in five seconds so as soon as he does cross the line I can give you a real gap between the Cupra and the Volkswagen it's two minutes having just had a pit stop and again it was a longer pit stop for the home guard car than for the red camel car Third position for Vincent Rademacher in the 188. That car started from pole position this morning. Autorama Motorsport by Wolf Power Racing. Winners in Dubai and at the Mugello 12 hours. Christian Jepsen, that car, is, drive, is uh, he's currently driving in the fourth place position, number 112. And in fifth place in TCE is the Rory Pentonen piloted GDL Racing Audi. Sixth place is Saw Sport with their RS3. The Synchro Motorsport Honda is the A3 leader and it is battling with the Winkler Tuning BMW, which is currently ninth in the TCE Series race. SP3 leader is the Pro Sport Performance Aston Martin Vantage, car number one, because Pro Sport were winners as a team of last year's championship. Then the Dan Agro Racing Peugeot is 11th, so that car is second in A3. No, it's third in A3, behind the Honda and the BMW E46 of Winkler Tuning. GSR Motorsport is a TCR car, the 105 machine. The Danagro Peugeot 686 has had problems in the last half an hour or so. 
Ginetta G55 of Colin White was on fire yesterday. Well, it's currently 15th in the TCE race. The BMW team van der Horst A3 entry did not take the start yesterday. And into sport racing's BMW M3 is 17th. But again, that barely completed five laps yesterday and did not restart today. So there you go, GT Series and TCE Series standings done and dusted. Leader is down at Speaker's Corner and now exiting that left-hand 90-degree corner, which takes you down towards Puon and on towards Fania. And the lead is currently 55 seconds as we grab a word again with Joe. I've got Zach Arnold. Zach's just got out of the 151 Audi, the RS3 uh, Audi in the TCR uh, class. Zach, I noticed the tyres that came off the car. I think they were pretty well done. Yeah, they were They were done. They were <laughs> certainly done. I, uh, I could have gone a little longer, I think, but the lap times were just kept slowing down, slowing down, so it was time time for a change. So on the RS3 Audi, does it is it understeer being a front-wheel drive car? I would imagine the understeer just builds and builds. It does, it does. It's very difficult to keep front tires under it. It's uh, got to be really, really gentle with the throttle coming off the corners, try to keep from wheel spinning, transfer as much weight as you can going into the corners, keep the, keep the weight on the back of the car. Am I right in thinking the front-wheel drive TCR cars, you've kind of got to set the car up for a little bit of rotation from the rear end, but that only really is there until the front tires start to wear. Exactly, yes, yes. As the, as the front tires start to wear, it's more difficult to rotate um, the car and get it in there. So it's, it's challenging, that's for sure. Well, it's, it is challenging. That's why you're here. Um, you're no stranger to this 24 series. How are you enjoying it? Oh, I love it. I love this series. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a great mix of people. Um, it's truly an international series. Um, We've even got a Spanish dog on our team. Can you believe that? So, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Are you guys looking towards maybe the Spa 500 in October? Uh, a 500-lap race purely for your, car, your class of car? That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I don't know what the, what the team's plans are, if they, if they intend on running that, but I might be interested in doing that. It looks like a lot of fun. This is a race. Spread the word over the water. Spread the word over the water. Get a we need American teams here. We'll do. Maybe I can bring some pals. We'll have a good time. Thanks for talking to us, Zach. We'll leave you to cool off and get get a bit of a shakedown. But uh, yeah, Zach Arnold's the number one five one Audi RS three. Certainly getting the most of it. Uh, getting its money worth out of those anchored tyres. And while we were hearing from that garage and from Zach Arnold, a bit of a moment for uh, Christian Yepsen in the one one two Golf. This was a few minutes or so ago on the ragged edge of Adesian I caught the kerb and a bit of the grass as well coming through Fania corner Peugeot RCZ right behind and that's an indication of quite how hard Yepsen is pushing in the 1-1-2 fourth place in the TCE series part of the race and trying to ultimately hunt down Vincent Rademacher in his AC Motorsport Audi and I think we saw there, Johnny, how uh, tyre damage can happen. Uh, when you go onto the kerb, it's fine. But when you go up the edge of the kerb, uh, it's a little sharp edge on the far side of it. Um, and I think that can kind of, that's what causes the tyre damage. Um, and as we've seen, sometimes it happens on left-handers, but it can happen uh, on the right-hand side of the car as well, depending whether you're going through a left-handed corner or a right-handed corner when you uh, get the car uh, wheel going over the edge. So you're actually you're going up the sloped side of the kerb and allowing the wheel to drop off the other side and then. And that's where it does the damage. And then it, I think it's when you come 
back onto the track, yeah, yeah. that the, the inner edge is getting a right pounding because yeah. you're up against the hard edge of the kerb. Yeah. So it's not necessarily a sharp kerb, it's just that it's not designed to be ridden from yeah, that from side. That side exactly you know? So I, I fully understand that you know, um, use the kerbs as they're designed, they shouldn't punish the tyre at all. Matteo Malicelli, just going across the line there in the Scuderia Ferrari. Um, Reading the body language of that car, um, and I don't think it was Matteo, but somebody described driving these cars yesterday as being driving them on eggshells. Um, and I think that Matteo is driving that car to maybe 80% of its uh, uh, potential. Um, he just seems to be taking things very, very carefully. His lap times very, very consistent, um, but nowhere near as quick as he was going yesterday. Um, I did mention to you, I gave you a little piece of paper that he'd just done the fastest lap of today, uh, and that was a little while ago. Um, but I think he's just taking things extremely easily. He's not stretching the margin between himself and Rolf in Eichen at all. And Rolf is pushing very hard indeed. Rolf is pushing as hard as he can, uh, setting personal bests over and over again at the wheel of the Grasser Racing Lamborghini. But as I say, the gap, first to second, is not coming down at all. Um, what's going to happen is that Malicelli is going to be the next one into the pits, although I suspect uh, it will be the Phoenix Racing Audi who's the first one in, uh, Frank Stipler, but uh, uh, as both um, uh, those drivers and uh, Johnny were saying, um, we now start have to start looking towards the two-hour point, which is going to be the driving limit for all of those drivers who started in those cars. Um, I was distracted there, Paul. So I'm not sure what you That's just said, but I, only I, I distracted by a Ferrari. I wasn't posing your question. I just thought that, uh, um, in effect, all I'm saying is that uh, the Malicelli car being driven uh, very cautiously indeed, um, and perhaps rightly so, because as you say, we have another Ferrari now, uh, which seems to have a tyre problem. Yeah, it was the same Ferrari that uh, came in with a tyre problem just a few minutes ago, and again, it's a rear right corner, which is exactly the corner that was affected for the Wockenspiegel team Monschau Ferrari, what, three or four laps ago? Joe was there to watch the previous stop, and you're well positioned for this one too. Yeah, <laughs> breathing in the tyre smoke from it on this one as well. It's um, it's the same it's the same side of the car as was on the 22 Wockenspiegel Ferrari before. Completely destroyed right rear tyre, which was the right rear tyre on this one on the sister car, the 47, which is the red Rinaldi racing Ferrari. It was the left-hand rear. However, this 22 Ferrari has now suffered two punctures on the right rear of the car. Now, I'm going to pose a question here, and it's a, it's a question that not, doesn't necessarily have an answer, but it's strange how we're only seeing the GT cars, the GT, the A6 cars, having problems with punctures. I can't think of any cars, TCR cars or smaller class cars having issues with punctures. Can you guys? Because it's the A6 cars, the GT3 spec cars that are using all of the track leads part. And yeah. that for me... I think, I think rear wheel drive has a lot to do with it. Uh, and I think as well the, the, the fact that the GT cars are going that little bit quicker and are pushing the kerbs a little bit more. So uh, anyway, work. Uh, I don't know if you can see down there, Joe, but there's more than just tyre um, being taken off and a new tyre being put on. There's more work going on on that car. I'm not quite sure if you can tell us about it. Go on then, uh, tell, us, tell us about it, uh, Joe. Right. 
before the uh, the arrow on the car and the brake ducts are completely clear. We're still going. We're st still on going on the left. Ah, oh, we're making a bit of an adjustment. Ah, oh, you know what? I, I, I think there is. It's Hang more on. than just debris taking yeah, out, Joe. We're, we're having a damper change. We're having a spring rate change. That's exactly what they were doing, Paul. Sorry, I couldn't see on the right-hand side. I've just clarified that. I just caught that. They've had a spring rate change on the back. And it's, it's lost some time as well. So um, they've spent very nearly three minutes doing that, uh, that spring rate change. And, uh, of course, that's going to drop it down because it still has to go and get fuel because uh, although it has already had a puncture, there's still 14 laps that David Perel uh, has done. And I assume they left David at the wheel of the car. Um, but he's now looking towards only another 14 lap so uh, a 40-minute stint left for uh, David Perel, and then he's going to be running out of drive time. So Matteo Malicelli then uh, still out in the front of the field. Taki Constantino at the wheel of the HB Racing Ferrari. Uh, that car uh, going OK in sixth place overall and third in AM. I think the, uh, the AM category is going to be one that we're going to have to keep an eye on, uh, Johnny, because uh, we started off with four cars on the lead lap at the beginning of this segment of the race. We've still got four cars on the lead lap on this segment of the race, with the Herbert Porsche leading the way from Philippe Ellis still at the wheel of the Mercedes, the uh, yellow pedal. Uh, HTP uh, run Mercedes then the HB Taki Constantinou Ferrari is third uh, and then Max Edelhoff who's been having a good run in the car collection Audi in fourth place in A6AM so A6AM still pretty tightly uh, balanced to my view just a thought about Wockenspiegel team Monschau um, they have been running in VLN for a number of seasons they don't run Hankooks in that championship though Michelin tyres are the favoured rubber in that and I just wonder whether uh, Rinaldi stroke Wockenspiegel are still getting used to how much you can punish these Hankooks before they finally go bang a drama for the 903 down the Kemmel Strait and that was uh, some bodywork that was already flapping and already loose finally breaking away just ahead of the 102 Volkswagen Golf the Autorama motorsport car Thankfully, that bit of bodywork went guard. into the in the home guard, which is the other one then. One the, one two. The Autorama is one one two. Yeah, sorry, I was getting the two mixed up there. Home guard one o two. Roy Edland and Christian Jepsen is the one one two Autorama Motorsport by Wolf Power Car. Um, that's a bit of bodywork that had been strapped up earlier in a pit stop, I reckon, and plenty of racer tape, tank tape, flapping now. So. It had held firm until they reached a very fast part of the circuit and it f finally broke away. But it has uh, ended up on the grass or indeed the other side of the barrier. And thankfully we haven't got any debris on the Kemmel Strait that we need to go caution for. Meantime, Alan James is about to be chatted to by Joe Bradley from uh, Synchro Motorsport. Alan, I feel a little bit out of breath here. I came sprinting down when I saw your car go out because I was expecting to speak to Dan Wheeler. But you've kept him in the car. He's going to be absolutely knackered in 40 minutes when he has to give that car up again. It's clearly a tactical move by you boys. It is, yeah. Well, sorry to disappoint it's me instead of Dan, but no, he's stuck with me now. Um, it is a tactical. We, we short-filled last night to try and get ahead of everyone who's then stopped this morning. 
We're doing another short fill now and then probably about another 40 minutes I'll be in and hopefully we'll be full for a good two hour run from there. So it's looking like it's working at the moment. We were hoping to get a code 60. If we'd had a code 60 this morning, it really played in our hands, but we didn't get it. But I think we're, we're still okay. I think we're all right. I think it'll be even more beneficial if the code 60 comes in the next 40 minutes, surely. Uh, there's enough fuel in it now. So the idea is that for my stop, when I get back inside, the fuel in then will be a short fuel again just to brim the tank. So we've kind of split it across the two fuel stops. So it, it should be okay. We're keeping our fingers crossed anyway. <laughs> well, it's never straightforward, is Alan? Um, it's great to see you guys here at Spa. What's the plans for the rest of the season? Bruno next. It's only a six weeks away. Are we expecting you boys to be there? Oh, definitely, yeah, we'll be at Bruno. We had a tough time at Mugello with a lot of panel damage and due to a lot of sort of uh, different reasons, we didn't take the car back after Mugello to the, to the garage. So we went to a dealer and serviced the car there for a day. Then it came here and we serviced the car for a day. So we've only had one and a half or two days to prep the car between Mugello and here. So we're on the back foot a little bit. We weren't able to get everything we needed sorted. So, But by the time we came to race pace, we were good, I think. So we, we caught up in the end. Something about not getting back to the nest and where you feel all secure at your own workshop, but I'm sure you did the job right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say I did the job, but the mechanics did most of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. I'm liable for them, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, no, no, they have done well. They've done well to prep it out. You know, it was such a short time in an unfamiliar, you know, an Italian dealership, but it was great support from European wide Honda to give us that. So, no, we're good. Uh, Bruno, we're looking forward to it. It's a place we've never been, and our plan is to be at Barcelona and Portimao. So, yeah, we'll keep on with that. Excellent stuff. Thanks, Alan. I look forward to um, I look forward to a very sweaty Dan Wheeler when he turns up. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Alan. Alan James, who has been a, a regular racer with Synchro Motorsport for a number of seasons now, um, I actually have him down as being from Swindon, probably where he lives these days, being an active part of the Synchro Motorsport uh, team and therefore uh, working at the um, Swindon Honda factory, but originally from Wales as you may have been able to detect there from the accent and started his 24H series career in 2013 in an A2 Honda now running in class A3 for the third year in a row just picking up on uh, something a little while ago that um, when we, when Joe was talking to Akil Rabindra, um, Akil was uh, mentioning that he uh, uh, thought he might be leading the TCE division. Um, it was a little bit optimistic because uh, TCE division being uh, well and truly led by TCR class cars. But uh, what the Aston Martin advantage that's now in the hands of Nico Verdonk, the number one car, uh, is doing is leading SP3. Um, there's not a huge number of cars running in SP3 three but uh, yeah, the leading one of them is uh, the Aston Martin the Colin White engineering uh, or the CWS engineering Colin White Ginetta is the second place car in SP3 and the only other car in the class at the moment so it's uh, um, the modern Aston Martin Vantage against the slightly more elderly Ginetta G55 and uh, at the moment it's advantage Aston uh, with uh, that car Stein Scott Horst has just got ahead of Andrea Montemini on this lap so the pink and black Audi from WRT managing to gain a place on the Rinaldi Racing Ferrari so Stein Scott Horst just staying out of trouble and attempting to get some of these some of the many laps that were lost yesterday for the WRT Audi back again I noticed there's uh, a little bit of not bent bodywork but the, the front of that Audi doesn't quite look right and therefore it's uh, maybe had some contact yesterday 
and the, the way that the headlights fit into the design of the front end of that Audi is uh, slightly off kilter. I think uh, partly the fact they're not allowed to do anything to the car overnight yeah. kind of uh, means that uh, damage that uh, you'd normally expect to get dealt with. I was wondering what some of the marshals would have thought when they arrived this morning, because we had a lot more marshals on the grid this morning than we had yesterday. Uh, and I think that some of them might have could turned up to this Creventic series race and thought, what a shabby load of cars yeah. um, that were being pushed out onto the grid there. Because far from being nice and shiny, as you normally see uh, cars when they're being pushed out onto the grid, um, these cars have done four hours of racing by the time they get pushed out onto the grid and um, I have to say looking down it, it was a fairly motley crew down there um, but uh, of course you kind of forget that they've uh, carrying the, uh, the the scars of yesterday's racing with them into today's and I think that's possibly why we're seeing a bit of bodywork uh, yeah. uh, beginning to uh, come adrift here and there. Uh, every car was beautifully turned out uh, at the start of the race yesterday um, but uh, looking, some of them look a little sorry for themselves now, purely because uh, they've been put through the mill, bless them. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Yeah, left to talk amongst themselves under their blankets last night for many, many hours, and now thrashed again for the second day running. These three cars look relatively straight. They're the 34 Audi, the 22 Wockenspiegel team Monschau Ferrari, despite two punctures already today, and Frank Stippler about to go up the inside to not gain a place for position, but put another lap on the Leo Weiss-driven team Monschau Ferrari. So Weiss is ninth, Frank Stippler third. And not very far ahead of them is Max Edelhoff in the uh, car collection Audi, which has been going pretty rapidly. Max just put in his fastest lap of the day, uh, 2 minutes 23 uh, a few laps ago. Uh, his most recent one slightly slower, had some traffic, but uh, going well with the car collection, uh, the single car collection Audi, unusual for car collection to only run one car at a preventive race meeting. Um, but uh, Max Edelhoff at the wheel uh, of that car, seventh place uh, in the overall positions. and. Just to pick up on it, it's uh, got a rather uh, limited driver lineup as well. Dr. Johannes Kirchhoff, we saw a lot of yesterday. Uh, Max drove it yesterday, but Gustav Edelhoff, uh, we've yet to see behind the wheel of the car, and it is only a three driver lineup uh, in that car. We often have Inga Vogler uh, at the wheel, or Elmer Grimm, um, but neither of them are here, so uh, the car collection team, as I say, just with one car and three drivers, they went on what to do with all the space. No, good point. Uh, yeah, slight adjustment required, therefore, at car collection, but uh, that won't be the first time they've run uh, with that driver configuration, I think. It's very much dependent on um, commitments for you know the, the, their business side to their year, and uh, the fact that Creventic uh, races is gen racing is generally Friday, Saturday for the split races, that's business-friendly in that you can afford to take the odd Friday off, but it does mean that those guys can be back in the office on Monday morning, but even then, the odd weekend has to be missed. A Ferrari squirming its way out of Le Com corner that time, and Frank Stippler running down the hill with the car collection Audi in sight now. Car 34, Max Edelhoff is in seventh position, but Stippler uh, on to lap 114 he goes, so still a lap behind the Bohemia Energy Racing with Scuderia Praha Ferrari and the Lamborghini Huracan of Rolfi Nijkin. I don't know what the distance is between Nijkin and Stippler though, and whether that's likely to condense it in the remaining bit of the stint. I mean, we're there's, into... The there's less than a lap between them. It's yeah, two I minutes be. between them. Okay. Um, so 
Yeah, that, it, and it is a gap that he's coming down, but uh, I think Stippler's going to be out of the car by the time uh, it comes anywhere close to being an overtake. So yeah. uh, uh, a rather longer pit stop from, uh, we saw briefly on the screen, the CP Racing Mercedes, uh, Charles Espenlaub, uh, was getting out of that car. Uh, it's still in the fueling area, the number 85 CP Racing car, uh, and that's losing quite a lot of time. There it goes now, out onto the circuit. Um, yeah, it's just uh, gone out of the fueling and up to uh, rejoin the circuit. Uh, Radion um, in eighth place in overall positions and that car now in the hands of Charles Putnam, um, the uh, CP of CP Racing and uh, so Charlie Putnam will be taking the car back out onto the circuit but it lost quite a lot of ground uh, and also in now for its second pit stop I think uh, you just saw that one Johnny uh, Philip Ellis coming in for his second pit stop of the day in the number 25 uh, Winwood Racing Mercedes after that car was restarted this morning with very little fuel on board so it pitted five laps after five laps and has now done a much longer stint to burn all that fuel away uh, remember that um, if if a stop is made under green flag conditions then you don't get to fill the, the tank to the brim it's 100 litres of a 120 litre tank, is it? Or is it very much dependent on which class you run? It, it depends on which class you run in and whether you're running as a uh, A6 neutral or A6 advantage. Um, so for CP Racing, they're running as a neutral and they're allowed to put 105 uh, litres of fuel in. For the Winwood team, they're in the same category. They also get 105 litres. Um, but if you're Scuderia Praha, for example, running as a pro-class car and running running as a Ferrari, you only get 90 litres. But in any event, what you say, Johnny, is absolutely right. The tank of the car is 120 litres, um, and the only way you can get to put in 120 litres is by running in the A6 Advantage class, uh, which is what Car Collection is doing, and also the HB Racing Ferrari, the number 41 Ferrari. Uh, those two are running as Advantage cars, and they're allowed to put in 120 litres at every stop, which means that the strategy is slightly different because you only come in the last possible minute with the A6 Advantage cars, whereas when you're in a pro-class car, you may well come in um, before the stint is, um, before the tank is empty, purely because you can get your full allocation into it. So you may have 10 litres, 15 litres left, but you might as well come in because you can put in uh, your full allocation anyway. Some difficulties on this lap for Jos Menten, the Dutchman, at the wheel of the pgmotorsport.nl Porsche, third in the 991 class but that car heavily crabbing down the Kemmel Strait and what I couldn't immediately work out was whether that was related to a puncture or something more integral gone with the suspension but that car's not pointing in the right direction and I reckon it's the rear right which has failed yeah and that looks more like suspension I think the tyres actually inflated on the rear right corner everything pretty straight on the left side but there's either been some contact or a a, a suspension part, a wishbone or a hub that has gone and actually Jos doing a very good job to get that car back again. Yeah, he had to take to the escape route um, at one point. I think it was up at Lake Coombe um, where he didn't quite follow the track and uh, was forced down an escape road. Yes, um, doing a good job to keep the car straight on the straights but uh, having to put in more than a bit of steering input even to just get down the Camel Strait and then when they got to the natural turning point at Lecom 
Uh, decided to forget about that and just took the, the easy option. Um, you can forgive him for that, but I don't know where that problem has manifested itself from, unless, again, it's smacking the kerbs too readily and the suspension has gone. So, the number 47 Ferrari exits Lecom corner. It's the other Ferrari number 11 that leads the way, but 85, Charles Espenlaub uh, is now down with a change in our pit lane because Bruce Jones takes over from Joe. Let's hear from Charles with him now. Charles, the sun's shining, you're at Spa-Francorchamps, you went out at the start of the race, all looked good, this is why you go racing, and then you had a little bit of a rude assault, could you explain that to us? The, uh, obviously the weather's beautiful here at Spa, countryside, people are great, enjoy, love, love, love the track. Um, yeah, we're struggling a little bit, we, we, we think we might have broke the rear sway bar, we just don't have the stability, we had such an awesome car the other day in practice and qualifying, and the car felt really good. And uh, somehow yesterday we lost some, something happened. So we're, we've been investigating it. Obviously, we're, we were a little unlucky with the code 60s. And uh, so we're a little further back than we'd like to be, but still a long race to go. And we'll keep doing what we try to do and be there at the end. Now, the assault I was talking about was the tap you got, uh, but from the number 25, the Windward Racing, the bright yellow Mercedes. Could you talk us through that? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, they're on a different program than us. Uh, you know, he was back there behind me for a while, and then, uh, you know, he, he charged it in. I gave him some room, and he chose to just drive through me and push me off instead of giving me back the racing room. So, obviously, they're on a different program, and it's not the type of racing I will do it in the middle of a 12-hour race. Comes back towards the end of the race, they probably don't want to do that. So, just... just. Now, was there any damage to the car? Did he just hit you at a point where you were spun and there wasn't any particular impact on the rear. Yeah, it doesn't look like, from what the guy said, there's a little bit of bodywork damage, but the car still drove straight and was still fine after that, so I don't think it really did anything. So, that's good. A minus setback. Thank you very much, Charles. Thank you. Charles Espenlab with uh, Bruce Jones. Um, future, we'll for Ch future for Charles in the uh, uh, diplomatic core, I would think. Yes. Uh, his choice yes. of words there. Uh, yeah, quite clearly, he, uh, he the, the the message was underlying, shall we say? But um, he didn't. Uh, he wasn't particularly uh, negative towards the uh, man filter Mercedes. What I did couldn't work out. I have to say uh, was whether there was any contact initially and whose fault it was. But uh, anyway, I think we can decide from Charles Espenlau's comments which way his bread is buttered. Uh, meanwhile, the light that used to sit at the back of the CP Racing Mercedes no longer there and instead on the asphalt. So I noticed that the rear left uh, light cluster was missing. And Race leader is uh, in the pits, uh, Johnny. <laughs> the number 11 Matteo Manicelli car. Uh, I would imagine, having had a driver change with uh, only about 20 minutes of Matteo's drive time available, uh, they will go down and get a full tank of fuel. But that will be a driver change for Matteo Manicelli. And therefore, Rolf Eichen with the Grasser Racing Lamborghini on the same number of laps uh, has caught up. And uh, although he's not being shown on the screen as being in the lead of the race, in in fact, he is in the lead of the race now because he is on the Camel Straight while the Scuderia Praha Ferrari is back in the pit lane getting more fuel. Rolf Eichen reaching the end of the Camel Straight pursued by uh, Leo Weiss once again and a steaming Volkswagen Golf car number 105 steaming because Bruce Jones because some people cut the grass at the weekend and this is clearly one of those early season cut there's uh, damage to the front of the golf uh, broken bodywork but it was it was almost a hay bales worth of grass 
coming out. They're checking all rounds, doing some uh, tyre changes as well, of course. It's all just steaming and just slightly bent, but actually I really don't think there's too much of a problem. I think the main problem would be if the grass had been left on board that blocking the radiator. But right now I think the GSR Motorsport Golf should be uh, fairly soon back into the race. But just goes to show, even on a dry track, bright sunshine with plenty of space things can go wrong i only go and investigate that yellow and white porsche that came in rather sideways it certainly caught charles espinard's eye as he was standing in, being interviewed but it really as we saw it go around the track it was going about 10 degrees out of norm yeah yes meant to do a very good job in returning that porsche to the pit lane minus uh, any further damage but steering from uh, three wheels on that wagon is never ideal speaking of three wheels the Peugeot RCZ from Dan Agro Racing going through Lecom on just three of its wheels with the rear right hand coupe completely off the ground and there's also a little bit of rear bodywork flapping for the other Dan Agro Peugeot as it heads out of Stavolo, Curve Paul Freire and on towards Blanchemont uh, Malicelli still being fuelled in the endurance pits Rolf and Eichen due across the line now, and that should mean a new race leader. And uh, indeed, practically a lap of an advantage, therefore, for Rolf and Eichen. Uh, somebody else has a problem at Lecoum, and I do believe, Johnny, that was the HB Ferrari uh, with another left, or certainly a rear puncture, yes, a left rear puncture yeah. for the HB Racing Ferrari. And where did that problem hit then? At the end of the Kenwell Strait, um, the car was already going via the uh, outer access road through a com corner. So this is a rinse and repeat scenario for HB R Racing, but also the Rinaldi Ferraris, whether they be in Wockenspiegel livery or in the, I was going to say, more traditional Rinaldi red, but uh, we do get uh, green Rinaldi Ferraris as well. So we had a couple of those at Mugello, but something not quite right with well, how they've been set up or I can't imagine this is all curbs because it's a lot of the time it's so early in the stint yeah um, bizarre it, it, it is bizarre I mean it'll be interesting I'm sure Bruce will catch up with Matteo Malicelli at some point and it'll be interesting to see uh, whether Matteo admits to driving the car with great caution um, certainly my impression was that uh, he was um, certainly leaving himself uh, a little bit of space meanwhile we've had a coming together up at La Source uh, Johnny Big incident for the 25 car and the 909 Duo Racing 991 class car, which was the race leader overnight. Now, I can't tell you how these two cars have ended up there, but Duo Racing is smouldering with clearly front left damage to that uh, Porsche Cup car. The Mercedes, the man-filter-backed Windworld Racing HTP Motorsport Mercedes also carrying damage on the front right corner. In fact, that front white right wheel is completely out of alignment. So quite obviously that car's going to go no further. The 41 continues around the lap and the, we go code 60 as a result. And uh, yeah, it was Russell Ward at the wheel of the HTP Mercedes. He having just taken it over, he was only uh, two laps into his stint. Uh, and as you say, Andre Mukovots at the wheel of the 909 Porsche, um, which has now had to relinquish the lead of the 911 class to Benny Simonson, uh, who's taken it over. Incident is under investigation, tells the screen, and uh, rescue units now in attendance. But but uh, I think, Johnny, it's not just going to be a case of rescuing the cars, but also uh, doing some track work because there's some fluid that has been leaking out of the Porsche, uh, which is going to need treating as well. So um, might have a couple of laps under code 60. Um, 
and bad news I suppose here for the second time uh, for the Scuderia Praha Ferrari because they've just done their um, their pit stop so um, the so the um, uh, Ferrari often gets the lucky side of the code 60s uh, it seems this weekend it hasn't uh, hasn't quite had that uh, good fortune because Rolf Eichen is going to be able to bring the Lamborghini in now under code 60 even though he only gets half a tank of fuel but it's a it's a cheaper half a tank of fuel uh, and worth doing this car's going to be the Mercedes in the man filter car is going to be very tricky to recover because of the crazy angle that the front wheel has ended up in and that suggests that's where the contact's been made but it's front damage to the Porsche car 909 so I'm now struggling to work out at what angle they, they made contact and what sort of trajectory either they were going into La Source with or indeed on the outside as well whether it was a clash after the corner tricky uh, 25 being driven still by, well, rather now being driven by Russell Ward. It was started by Phil Ellis at the top of the day, and Phil Ellis had already had some contact with the CP Racing machine, and this is now a new driver, but again, a collision. And a Code 60, as uh, cars that are stricken out on track need to be recovered, does provide opportunity potentially to tweak the strategy for everybody else. Bruce Jones is watching a lot of pit stops. Car 63 timed that to perfection. Stefano Costantini's got over. Can't fire the car up. He's lost a couple of seconds. Rolf clapping his hands. Costantini puts that uh, green and orange Lamborghini very sideways. But as you were mentioning a few moments ago, uh, for Scuderia Praha, they completed their refueling stop about three or four minutes ago. Then we get the red flag. So this time they lose out. A little cheeky smile on the face of some of the late racing Lamborghini crew. They know it could swing the other way, but right now, Mirko Bortolotti just walked back into the garage looking rather pleased with life. As well he might, as uh, the Peugeot, or rather, I should say, Porsche 909 is being stretched away. Who else do we have pitting on that lap? Uh, Vincent Rademacher has just entered the fueling area. Uh, Leo Weiss came in as well for some fuel. Uh, Stein Scotthorst also in for car 27 and the 101 red camels cupra and daniel alleman at the wheel of the uh, herbert porsche now up into second place but he's in the fueling area max edelhoff uh, has just come to the end of his stint he's in the pits uh, in the car collection audi and tacky constantino in the hb car he was coming into the pits anyway uh, because of the puncture on the hb racing ferrari so uh, as you said a lot of cars coming in leonard vice you mentioned is already in um and the um 157 Audi, isn't it? Bruce That's watching that, yeah. yes. Bruce can tell us about the GDL racing Audi. Yes, yeah, a car you can only drive if your national flag is blue and white. We've got an Argentinian, a Greek, and a Finn. But unfortunately for them, it's uh, the steam coming out of the uh, from all vents around the bonnet, and there's lots of fluid now in the pit lane, so it's been wheeled back into its garage. This is the GDL racing uh, Audi and uh, steaming away. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really, get the tea bags. But uh, I'm afraid for this team, it's been a little bit up and down, but it had number four on the window as a positional uh, placement in the TCE category, in the TCR class. And uh, yeah, that, that is really boiling, boiling away. So for the three drivers on, on board the 157, that's Andres jo Josephson, the Argentinian, Dimitris uh, Deverikos, the Greek, and Rory Penton and the Finn. Frustration. Certainly so. That car had started fifth this morning, so therefore had gained one place. Um and that's presumably on the auto motorsport car because the other three have been doing rather well red camels 
currently leading the TCR class. Second is the AC Motorsport car, although it's being fueled. Autorama Motorsport and then the GDL car. So it's actually the uh, Holmgard Motorsport car, isn't it, that's had the dramas. And Holmgard Motorsport now down in seventh position, but that car is currently in the pits as well in the pit garage yeah still being worked on so Holmgard Motorsport have hit the biggest drama so so far today in the TCR category Porsche 909 with the bulk of the damage on the front left corner that wheel well out of, out of alignment on the Duo Racing 991 Cup car and it's front right for the Mercedes. So this is starting to make a little more sense to me now. Yes, I mean, uh, and the position of them is was, is the other thing that's a little strange, Johnny, because they've, I, I think they've probably come through La Source side by side, uh, and then the port, the with the Mercedes on the outside, and then the Porsche has run wide as it's been going around. The Mercedes has been able to grip a little bit more, and I think they've probably made side to side contact, um, but side to side contact with the Porsche running wide and so it was sort of side to side but front corners clashing together yep. and that's why you've got the front corners of both cars damaged. Uh, Mercedes on the right side, Porsche on the left side. Also Bruce, what on earth's going on with the 101? That looks like pretty significant suspension work. Yeah, it still says number one on the door of the Red Camel's uh, Cupra but yeah they've taken the uh, driver's side rear suspension off effectively and uh, putting on a whole new arm and hub you can see what's come off the car it looks just like the bit that's going on but clearly slightly broken so it came in i thought this is taking a little longer why are they having trouble with that left rear wheel but uh they seem to know what they're doing but uh yeah this is a this is a big setback for the red camels crew they're not panicking but it's certainly taking time luckily for them it's under the under the code 60 so not squandering as much time as they would have done but, but uh, clearly there's been a problem with that left rear corner but it's oh, a it five five minute stop so far and um, of course, that car will therefore, even at a slow speed, but it will lose a lap to the race leaders. Um, it was the race leader, but uh, the other race leaders will now be able to go past. Yeah, and because it look, looks to me, Bruce, as though it's not actually going out yet. No, not at all. It's still, Evo Broikers is still sitting on board placidly while they uh, work away on that rear corner. Amazing how much uh, rubber debris comes out from under these cars once they start to taking bits out, waiting to put a, a new new disc on the rear. The offending part has been taken away, but whether they felt this was a necessary precaution or just simply they're making the most of the red flag, but I, uh, not the red flag. Oh, hold on, here's, here's um, Rick. Let's just ask him what, what's going on. Yeah, well, Rick, Rick this isn't a standard pit stop, is it? No, apparently something was broken. I heard some noises from the back, and uh, I don't understand. This is the same problem we had in the last three races, so yeah, it's really uh, not good. We were leading with, uh, with a Quite, a, quite some gap, and um, I think everything was going well, so it's really disappointing. From your experience, though, how long does it take to make this change? You've already been in the pits more than five minutes. Uh, I, I wasn't actually on the car the last three races, so I don't know actually how long it will take, but I think I'm hearing the tyre going up now, so should be finished now, I guess. Good practice, but practice they don't really want to do. Tough luck, but I'm sure you'll still be back at the front end. I hope so, yeah. Thank you. Yes, that's uh, certainly not ideal. I, it, it crossed my mind that maybe they had chosen to do the work during the Code 60. You know, it had been a niggly problem for the last few stints. Uh, and they kind of saw, thought, well, why not? Let's do it now. And the, the penalty is less than doing that significant work during Green Flag. But maybe they were just forced into it. I don't know. Mercedes being recovered with the front right corner still 
well out of alignment so uh, suspension badly damaged on that Mercedes which has been driven very nicely by Russell and Bryce Ward and Phil Ellis through the course of the first bit of the race we've had nearly an hour and 50 minutes today which means remember we're effectively counting down to uh, 5.53 this afternoon so we're just inside six hours to go now five hours 57 minutes and 52 seconds and the Manfilter Mercedes is now being taken away from the place of the incident up at La Source. This is on the, uh, if you can picture La Source, the runoff area on the exit to the corner, which is where the car's finished up. And they've uh, already got the Porsche back to the pit lane. The Mercedes now being removed. I suspect that most of the work that was going on on the uh, circuit will also have been done and so yes we do now get the message on the screen to say under one minute to the end of the code 60 procedure so um, within a few seconds time we'll be back underway racing um, bad news for Red Camel because their car is still stationary in the pit lane but uh, at the front uh, it does mean that despite uh, the pits oh no the, the yeah Rolf in Eichen uh, has made a pit stop and is now back out on the circuit. So we now have uh, not only uh, a new leader in the shape of the Grasser Lamborghini, but a new second place car, uh, Johnny, because the Herbert Porsche is now up into second place and on the lead lap is, you know, he's a lap behind the lead. So it's a, lead, it's a lap of a lead for the Grasser Racing Lamborghini with Stefano Constantini now having his first turn behind the wheel of that car, not just today, but in the Spa 12 hours uh, in total. Green, green, green again, as the message promised us then, with uh, under 60 seconds to go at 10.54 and 59 seconds, and we get rating at 10.56. Cool and pouring out of the Duo Racing Porsche that has just been stretched back from La Source Corner to the pits. And the not-as-pretty-looking 27 WRT Audi as it started yesterday's race, now working its way down the Kemmel Strait because that uh, front end has been strapped up. It looks uh, yeah, rather dishevelled, uh, mainly focused on that front right corner, I reckon, the Audi number 27, which is being driven by Marco Seafried once again with his first action today. Uh, you're on UK time, not European time. Thank so you. That time of 10:56 is actually 11:56. Yes. <laughs> good, good point. But pointing out there. Uh, but my uh, reckoning that there's just under six hours to go is correct, isn't it? Yes. Still? yes, yes. Well, that every, everything else was correct. As I say, you you were just in the wrong time zone. Fine. Um, but you're a long way away from me, Johnny. So that's yeah, fine. Well, you're almost in a different time zone. Yeah. It has been said. <laughs> by other people in my life as well. Uh, the Peugeot RCZ out of Radion Corner and through the kink at the onto the Campbell Strait. Peugeot versus Aston Martin, but the Aston Martin that is a TCE Series car this weekend makes short work of the overtake there. There's something flapping away on the Peugeot, which is a lowered passenger window, I reckon. These are not glass windows. They're made of sort of flexi-class or plexiglass so that's just rippling away because of the speed involved for the Peugeot at the end of the Kemmel Strait nothing to worry about car 909 the duo racing Porsche has worked its way back to the garage now and finally the team can descend upon it to work out 
what needs fixing and a large chunk of the bumper is no longer connected to the car or not in the places it should be anyway and the other sorry sight is the man filter Mercedes Bruce Jones checking both of these cars out well Mercedes is going to go well past you down towards the garage but what do you make of the 909 duo Porsche Bruce is that going to quickly return to the race uh, it's leaking fluids the bodywork damage isn't as bad as I thought it was when I saw it stuck up at uh, last source They're equally trying to gauge the damage on the Mercedes that came in I think Sebastian's going to go up there. The driver, Andre Lukasov, has uh, left the garage. I'll come and catch him in a minute for the duo car, but I think I'll go and uh, see if I can get words. Uh, because he's not there, uh, run up the pit lane and speak to Russell Ward. Back with you in a moment. Great stuff, thank you. Wachrich Beagle, Ferrari, back on the Kemmel straight. That's being driven by Leo Weiss still. And... Yeah, Russell Ward being shown as having just entered the pits. Technically, he has, but uh, that uh, car several feet up in the air on the back of a truck. 11 is the now Yuri Pisaric-driven Ferrari from Bohemia Energy Racing with Scuderia Praha. That car second in the race then, and a lap uh, shorter in terms of race distance than the Stefano Constantini-driven Lamborghini Huracan. But they are just on the same lap. Um, the uh, Ferrari is, I think, just ahead of the Lamborghini on the track. If it wasn't, then I think it will be very soon. Uh, so the two of them will be going uh, physically on the track, very close to one another, but in actual terms, about seven kilometers apart. Constantini, the... Latest driver then to be installed into that Lamborghini. And it's going to be interesting to see now how he competes with the pace offered by Yuri Pisaric, who is getting to grips with his stint 15 minutes in. Constantini's virtually 10 minutes in, so they've been at the wheels of their relevant cars about the same sort of time. Likewise, Ralph Bone in his Porsche is just over eight minutes now behind the wheel of the Herbert car, the Porsche, in third position. Assessment then from HTP and Windward Racing. They're not in a great hurry here, it has to be said, because, I mean, the, the, the big job is actually getting that Mercedes now off the truck without doing further damage to it. Uh, need Joe Bradley to uh, supervise events. He knows all about getting uh, uh, cars off uh, flatbeds. Um, yes, I mean, your point about driving times for the leading group, they've, all of that leading five cars all came into the pits during the Code 60. Um, the exception, I suppose, was the Ferrari because uh, the Scuderia Praha car came in just before the Code 60. Everybody else came in during the Code 60. So the difference, although the driving times are all about the same, the difference is that only the Ferrari has a full tank of fuel. Um, all of the others will have only been able to take on half their allowance, um, which means that we will expect to see Constantini coming in a little bit earlier um, to get uh, more fuel than we we'll expect to see Yuri Pisaric. Um, Pisaric will almost certainly be quicker than Constantini. We'll see what uh, evidence there is for that once the uh, lap times start coming through, but I would suggest that Pisaric will be quicker. And what we'll then see is whether or not Pisaric is going to be able to gain that whole two minutes back um, whilst he's uh, using up the extra fuel that the Ferrari has aboard. Yeah, Costantini is the bronze-rated driver from Rome and uh, well used to GT3 running, having 
raced in the GT Open and the Blancpain series previously, done the, the Spa 24 as well. So uh, good speed being offered by the Grasser uh, Urican. As we go down to Bruce Jones in the pits. Russell Ward, great to see you here at Spa Francorchamps, but the car's not looking as happy as you probably were this morning. Talk us through what happened at the source. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really know. I mean, it was it was an incident with a, with a car from a different class, and it, it looks like, you know, he just, you know, maybe he's trying to race the, race the wrong car, you know. He needs to stick to racing his own guys and not racing the cars that are faster, so... So what actually happened? Because I haven't seen the preamble. I only saw the cars scattered to the uh, to the outside of the track. Yeah, you know, I I had overtaken a, a cup car at, at turn 17, and uh, you know didn't get a great exit coming on here. Just a little bit of traffic, and you know I had you know, apparently you know he got a good exit and decided you know he wanted to overtake me and won, and you know, I wasn't expecting it, and you know I turned in and I, he was there, so. It's a bit of a shame. We were we were really uh, looking forward to standing on the, the podium of the AMs. It was nice. You know, first time here for everybody, and it's just a shame it ended this way. And particularly when Spa's at its very, very best in the bright sunshine, dry circuit. Mechanics working on the front right corner of the car, but what do you think the extent of the damage is? You know, I think it's pretty bad. There's no steering in the car, so I'm assuming that the steering rack is broken. Uh, there's no brakes in the car, so I think a caliper or a brake line has been severed. So... Um, you know, it's not looking, uh, it's not looking good. Tough, tough luck. Thanks for talking to us, brother. Yeah, putting a brave face on matters there at Windward Racing. Ting Bryce and Russell, father and son crew, joined by Phil Ellis this weekend. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.